Counties Radio. It's Friday. I'm in a surprisingly good mood. I know. Normally I'm so grumpy and miserable. I've got a hard life, but I'm really. Uh, but I'm, I'm quite perky this morning. I don't know why. Is it the thought of going for a sit-down breakfast in a greasy spoon at 15 minutes past nine? It could be that. It could be that. Or is it the fact I get to sit and talk to you for three hours? It might be. It's, it's unlikely, but it might be. You never know. Lots coming on the show this morning. Um, uh, which would be great to get your opinion on. Some of, of it we can, some of it you can't. You'll understand why as I go through what's happening. In the next hour or so, former Radio 1 DJ Dave Lee Travis bailed after being arrested on suspicion of sexual offences. Counting is due to start in the police and crime commissioner elections in the three counties. Did you bother to vote? We had lots of phone calls about this yesterday, and because of, of, of the rules, we're, we're not allowed to talk about elections while they go on. You can talk about them now. I'll give you the contact details in a second. And as you heard in the news there, you're being urged not to ask doctors for antibiotics for coughs and colds. What does your doctor say when you ask them for them? I, I have a doctor. I sound like Elvis Presley. I have a doctor. I know I can get antibiotics. <laughs> Not quite the same as Elvis. He would get all kinds of shizzle prescribed to him. But if I go to my walk-in surgery and uh, say, can I have some antibiotics? Yes, of course you can. They give me the antibiotics. But did you find that when you go to your doctors and you say, oh, we're not allowed to give them to you anymore, I'm afraid. No, it's, um, sorry, it's superbugs. Superbugs are the, the defeating the power of the antibiotic. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. 81333, starting your text 3CR. Uh, and you can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. BBC Three Counties Radio. Former Radio 1 DJ Dave Lee Travis has been bailed after being arrested as part of the police probe set up in the wake of the Jimmy Savile scandal. The 67-year-old was arrested at his home in Mentmore, Buckinghamshire, on suspicion of sexual offences. BBC Three Counties reporter Catherine Boyle has been looking into the story. Morning, Catherine. Good morning. What can you tell us about David Travis? Well, he was arrested at quarter to eight yesterday morning and released on bail late last night, set to return in early January. Uh, he's best known, of course, for his 25-year stint on Radio 1, although he also presented a Sunday morning programme here on BBC Three Counties Radio from his home, and that went from March 2003 to March 2007. His career on Radio 1, you probably remember, came to an end in 1993 when he resigned on air from his role uh, to telling listeners he was unhappy with changes that were taking place. Um, and, of course, he also presented editions of Top of the Pops in the 70s and 80s, and uh, currently is presenting the DLT show for the Magic Network. Now, the, the arrest was part of this, this Operation U-Tree that yeah. we're hearing so much about. Yeah, Operation U-Tree is an investigation into a broad range of allegations against a number of people. It was set up in the wake of the Jimmy Savile scandal. However, it's important to stress that some of the allegations do not involve children or underage people. Uh, the Met Police say they've now identified about 450 potential victims of sexual abuse. That was a figure yesterday. And uh, DLT's arrest is the fourth so far in connection with this particular investigation. Uh, a statement from the Metropolitan Police says the latest arrest falls under the strand of the investigation we've termed others, meaning that the allegations are unrelated to Savile. What's happened to the other people arrested in connection with the Savile investigation? Well, former pop star Gary Glitter, aka Paul Gadd, he was the first person to be arrested in connection with this particular 
uh, inquiry. He was arrested on suspicion of sex offences and he's been bailed until mid-December. Uh, on the 1st of November, police also arrested entertainer Freddie Starr on suspicion of sexual offences. He's really strongly denied claims made against him and, and was bailed after a number of hours of questioning. And then on Sunday, former BBC pr- producer Wilfred Diath, who's in his 70s, was arrested on suspicion, again, of sexual offences and he's been bailed until December. Catherine, thank you very much for that. Here's something. Now, I was going to say I'm a big fan of antibiotics. I kind of am. If I, if I get ill, I go to the, I go to the doctors. And I, I will be going in the next couple of weeks about my painful thumb and painful toe. I know, I know, but I'm worried it's something serious. But you are being urged not to request antibiotics for coughs and colds due to an increasing resistance to treatments in the population. Also, antibiotics, they don't necessarily work for coughs and colds. It's, it's chest infections and things like that. You, can, you can't just get antibiotics for a cold, I don't think. The Health Protection Agency say it's important for antibiotics to be prescribed only when necessary so the drugs are effective when patients actually need them. A new leaflet has been designed so patients have a better understanding of common ailments and the length of time they last so they are less likely to demand antibiotics when they visit the doctor. The leaflet's being launched to coincide with the, here we go, this sounds like fun, the European Antibiotic Awareness Day. What are you doing on Sunday to celebrate EAAD? Huh? I know what I'm doing. I'm having a big fate, which aims to highlight the risks associated with the inappropriate use of drugs. What a strange day to have. Well, I want to hear from you today. Did you... Listen, we've all got bugs, and there's a a lot of bugs going around at the moment. Have you been to your doctor recently, and have you kind of hinted or asked outright for some antibiotics? And what did they say? And, of course, you're not supposed to have them them too much, because the the bugs build up resistance. You get these super bugs, and... uh, they lose their effectiveness. But if I'm ill, okay, and there is a pill that will stop me being ill, that will make me feel better so I can look after my kids and I can get to work and I can just not feel miserable, then excuse me, I'll have that pill if you don't mind, please. I'm always suspicious. I was talking about this earlier on. I'm always suspicious of these things. Is this really to make us feel better and to, to, to stop antibiotics, you know, having less effect? Or... Is it to do with money? Yeah. I'm always a little bit... Are you sure this isn't a cost-cutting exercise? Really? Really? Could you give me a call and let me know? It'd be great to hear from a doctor as well. Someone someone who can speak facts, as opposed to just my perhaps slightly biased opinion. 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. What does your doctor say when you ask them for antibiotics... And if you are a doctor, is this true? That it's to, to reduce the effectiveness. Is, is it all about saving money? I'll, I'll pay. For, I don't mind paying. If it makes me feel better, I'll pay. I'll happily pay. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Later on in the show, we'll be hearing from Justin Dealey. But guess what, kids? He has his own show Saturday mornings as well, nine o'clock, and it's a cracking listen. And I'm not just saying that because I have listened, and it is cracking. He's going to play the UK and American charts from the seventeenth of November, nineteen seventy-two. Plus three names from TV and film pick their favourite musical memories. Oh, here we go. Vicky Michelle from A Lower Low, the sexy waitress. She's going to be picking them. Superb. All of this, plus your request, Justin Dealey, 9 o'clock, Saturday morning, BBC Three Counties Radio. And if you think he's just some hard-nosed journo who goes out and gets the, the dirty stories, uh, then think again, it's, it's definitely worth having a listen. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Let's get the latest travel news now. 
Thank you, Sophie. Bizarrely, I found myself grooving out to, to the funky travel bed. Listen. Yeah, cool, huh? Uh, morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 four double five five double five. Paul Scoynes is joining me here. Paul, morning. can I ask, what are you doing to celebrate um, National Antibiotic Day on Sunday? Well, I'll be covering myself in wipes, as I do every antibacterial Sunday. Thank you very much indeed. Now, this is, this is, this is fascinating and, and not surprising in the slightest. The first PCC elections uh, look set to be mired in controversy amid reports of low turnout and deserted polling stations. In Wiltshire, one of the first places to declare, nearly 82,000 people voted. Sounds like quite a lot, mm. except there's a total electorate of over half a million. So it's a turnout of 15.8%. Uh, our reporter, Justin Dealey, spoke to voters at Addyfield Community Centre in Hemel Hempstead yesterday. The polling station opened at seven. By midday there have been just four votes per hour. Have a listen to this. It just made me feel sick that nobody's taking trouble to vote on an important th- vote like this. And why do you think people aren't voting? Well, I don't know because they don't know what is going on. We haven't had um, say notification is what when you've got a general election people come around your house and knock on your door and ask you to vote for Conservative, Labour, whatever it may be. And nowadays, there's nobody taking the trouble to do it. I think it, those people that are not at work and that are capable of getting out and walking up the voting station and vote, they should have a vote if they're entitled to, because there are lots of countries in the world you don't get a, an opposition to vote. Well, here's Lee, who's voted Labour. Lee, going to cut to the chase here. Yeah. Inside, hardly anybody there. Pathetic turnout. The people that haven't voted today, should they be ashamed of themselves? Uh, not exactly. Uh, I think it's a reflection of the general apathy that the British people feel towards politicians in general and towards the fact that although we've got a vote, it doesn't seem to make very much difference who gets voted for. They all seem to be doing the same things, using the same excuses. And do you think the lack of information has, has played a big role here? Because most people I speak to didn't even know there was a vote today or what that vote was about. Yeah, uh, there was a leaflet that was posted through the doors, I believe nationwide, but that's insufficient really to galvanise people into exercising their democratic responsibilities. Well, our political reporter uh, is here, Paul Scoynes. Good morning, Paul. Morning. Uh, the turnout was always going to be low. We were hearing sort of 20, 25 percent. It's worth than that, isn't it? It seems to be in a lot of areas. There was one uh, in Bristol where they've had a by-election as well and that turnout was 25%. That's probably looking to be one of the better ones. Um, But yeah, it's been pretty bad. I've heard uh, anecdotally, and you can't read too much into this because it wasn't by by the close of polls, but... um, in, in St Albans, as low as 10%, 10.5%. Yep. Um, we've heard uh, in, in Luton, sort of again, 10%, 10 to 15% in some places where I voted, uh, which had an electorate size of around 5,000. Only 140 people have been out to vote by 8 o'clock last night. Why, why is it so low? I think it's a combination of factors. It's, it's a lack of awareness. You know, there haven't really been a huge push. I think it was only about six weeks of, of you know, proper advertising yep. that the uh, government did for it. Um, the weather wasn't brilliant. It's a sort of dark Thursday in November. It's the first time I think we've had an mm. election in November. Uh, so it's, it's not you know, been a particularly auspicious start for the PCC elections. When I, I, I did speak to the Prime Minister a couple of weeks ago when he visited Bedfordshire. Did you? Yeah. Did you speak to David? I did, I wow. did. And uh, I put to him that the, um, 
you know, the, the, the elections hadn't been very well advertised. People didn't really understand it. Lots of people complaining about a lack of electron material, not having the physical... We heard that. We've been hearing that through the week, yes. People not getting stent stuff. Yeah, and not having the brochures that the government was supposed to send, to, send out. Um, and he said that the first election like this is always going to be difficult. People will take a few goes at it to get, to get used to it. However, you know, this election has cost anywhere up to, if you believe some people, between £75 million and £100 million pounds to... To the to the taxpayer Gulp. it's a lot of money to spend <clears throat> on a bit of a punt some people might feel so i think that's probably the reasons why it has been such a low turnout but we will see throughout the day today just how bad it's the been. figures get the, the the winners get announced today then we've had one already through the night from where was that that was in, um, in wiltshire, in wiltshire. Yeah. yeah and the rest get announced every every uh, everyone else day. is counting today um bedfordshire starts counting about 10 o'clock in hertfordshire they're counting around 11 uh, so we'll probably have them by about quarter past 11 then <laughs> <laughs> If well, there were that many people... That is... The, I mean, a lot of the counties are saying, well, we could declare by as early as one o'clock because if Incredible. the vote numbers are so low and there is a clear winner... Yeah. Because remember, the way it's done is that you have to reach 50% in the first round and then you're elected. If you mm. don't get that 50%, it then goes to the second round of second preference votes and then they'll have a winner after that. So I think we'll definitely have all of the declarations in by 4.30. Everyone's told me that. But we may get some earlier, two o'clock, maybe one, as early as one o'clock in some places as well. There still seems to be the idea that people don't know what these police and crime commissioners are supposed to be doing yeah. and what, what their role is. It is, I, I think, a, a big problem for people because I think even though the government's argument for these uh, positions was that nobody understood what the police authority or nobody knew who their police authority were, I think people pretty much understood that the role of an author or that the police were sort of, you know, held to account. They did have mm. somebody watching over them, um, they, which is effectively what this role is going to do now. Uh, I don't know. Lack of awareness seems um, a, a is it worth spending that much of money? I think that's what people keep coming mm. back to. Is it worth investing all of this money, having an election that people don't really or haven't really understood to elect somebody to run the police? I think everyone could agree that we want an accountable police force, but, you know, to what extent do we want to um, to spend money on it? Do we want to try and invest at that much time to work out what exactly these people are? I mean, you know, what they're going to do is hold the, the police to account. They're going to be able to hire and fire the chief constable. They're going to set some policy. They're going to have a word in the in the budgets as well mm. so these are important roles yeah, definitely. I, I think probably what the prime minister was saying is that not writing this one off but putting this one down to you know experience and saying well the next one in 2015 oh, will, it's in 2015 well, it's 2016 right, okay, yeah. it's three and a half years um will be uh will be wow. you know, more popular if you like paul thank you very much you're looking very smart are you off for a job interview or are you being uh, <laughs> questioned by some sort of inquiry somewhere there's no i'm not stepping aside in it okay. is it is uh, i'm just thought you know all the other candidates are going to be in suits so i should probably wear one too excellent stuff paul thank you very much indeed paul scoins our political reporter very quickly you're mm. also our, i'm a celebrity correspondent oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh suddenly he comes yeah. to life oh. suddenly he's excited did, did you watch it last night did anything happen well yes nadine spoke about her um uh, nadine doris of course the mid sorry, yes. mp mid for those who don't know yes apologies uh mid sorry i'm just calling them by their first name you feel uh, like you, you know them now they're in your living room every <laughs> night uh, nadine doris mp for mid bedfordshire who uh, got kicked out of the conservative party for going to the jungle um she talked about it for the first time last night and oh. she was talking about uh, how she felt very bad about about it uh, but interestingly she did say that you know explaining that she'd been kicked out of the party the parliamentary party she'd say oh well they'll have me back when i come home 
Ooh, she, she was very confident that she would be welcomed back into the party, which is interesting considering what I've heard from some of her parliamentary <laughs> colleagues, anyway. <laughs> All scores with the inside. Thank you very much, Paul. See you later on. Okay. Ta ta. Uh, 08459 455 555. Putting Nadine Doris to one side for a moment, if we may. The PCC elections. Did you vote yesterday, yes or no? I think that's the, the, the first, most straightforward question. Did you bother to vote? The turnout as low as 15%, possibly 10% in some places. It's embarrassing. Isn't it? Could they really have a mandate to, to, to be in control with that lower turnout? Did you vote yes or no? 08459 455 555. You can text as well if you want. 81333. Start your text 3CR. That's what Philip in Whitchurch has done. Ian, I did vote yesterday. I feel it's important to vote regardless. It was very eerie being the only one in the polling station, though. Uh, once I'd found it as the usual signpost... Oh, once I'd found it, though, as the usual signpost to it weren't there. So they hidden the polling station. Well, well, do give us a call. If, if you went and, and voted, were you the only person there? Was it a little bit awkward? But I have to say, uh, do go facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. There is a picture of me awarding Paul Scoynes uh, a Kenny Ball record. It looked like he... It, well, he looks like he's 12 and he's won a competition to come to the radio station. <laughs> oh, it's such a lovely picture. I look like his dad. Oh, dearie, dearie me. Right, and uh, the regain composure. Let's get the latest news and sport now. Let's go to Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties. Oh, sorry, I'm still chuckling at that picture of put me and Paul Scoynes. <laughs> he looks like he's 12 and his mum has made him wear his best suit uh, and he's won a competition to come to BBC Three Counties and I've been presenting him with a record. It is, it's fabulous. Thank you to Kelly Betts for taking that. Go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or follow at BBC 3CR if you want to. We take little pictures and little videos and little extra bits that we can't put on the air. They, they kind of appear on the, on the Facebook and on the Twitter feed, behind the scenes stuff. So if that's, if that's your thought man, then go and check those out. Coming up in the next half an hour of the show, Children in Need. It's today. What are you doing for Children in Need this year? We'll be hearing from a charity in Welling Garden City about how they're benefiting from your donations. And people living near the site of a huge fire in St Albans still have no water. The fire started six days ago. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, uh, is back there at the scene. And also, we're talking um, about the, uh, the, the the police and crime commissioners. We've had a comment um, on the Facebook page about um, people voting and whether you bothered to go and vote. Oh, I've, lo- I've lost it. There's me trying to be all slick and clever, and I've lost it. Basically, there was someone who Facebooked in and said, Yes, I went, Ian. There were only two other people there and four people that were working there. It was dead awkward. I think that was from Carolyn. It was dead awkward. Imagine that. Did you go? If you went and voted, was it silence? Was it like being in a ghost town? Because normally when you go and vote in elections, there's, there's, a, there's a steady stream of people coming and going, isn't there? People coming in and out and going and stuff like that, a bit busy. Did you go? Was it completely empty? Or did you not bother to vote? Will Young, jealousy. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Friday. It's Friday. And as far as I know... I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to be proven wrong on this. I have nothing planned for this weekend. Nothing planned. Get to hang out with the kids. Probably go and see a show tomorrow morning. That's it. How exciting. Maybe a little bit of Xbox. There, there might be, now that I've discovered that Scoins has got an Xbox. There may be. And work experience, Ollie. Who knows? But apart from that, I have nothing planned. Isn't that wonderful? In this structured world where every hour is kind of laid out what you're going to do, I've got nothing. I may go back to the nudist camp. 
I had such fun there at Spielplatz yesterday. I may go back. Who knows? Listen, I did go to the nudist camp yesterday. We're going to play that report out. Uh, a report. <laughs> it's hardly a report. It's me hanging out with a load of naked people. We're going to play that out on Monday. And that, that Tina and everybody there looked after me wonderfully, although I saw things that would make your, your mind boggle. Sort of things I didn't really want to see. But uh, it was, they were very kind, and, I, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. And we, we'll play that out on Monday. 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call about any of the things we're talking about, including this one. It's Children in Need today. And one charity that's going to benefit from your donations gives children with special needs the chance to learn about nature and the environment. Groundwork Hertfordshire visits schools in the county giving children tips and advice on gardening. I wonder if they can come and do mine. Can they do mine? No. I've got a child. Can they not help? Well, our reporter, Tony Fisher, went to Lakeside School in Welling Garden City to see the sort of work they do. Philip Astata, you're from Groundwork, Hertfordshire. Um, tell us what's going on here. They're taking some cuttings, put them in a little bit of soil, and uh, eventually you'll see them grow, I guess. Yes, um, this is a really wild club, and today we're doing planting. Um, we've taken cuttings of herbs because they're really good for the children to smell and touch, uh, which is good for their senses. They've planted them in compost. Uh, which has been soaked in water, and they've put them in a little plastic bag. They're labelling them at the moment with the name of the herb, and then they can take these home and they can put them on their windowsills to grow. So it shows them a little bit about nature, about how things grow, and uh, also helps them with their sense of smell and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and really well, it's all about having fun outside. Unfortunately, today we're inside because of the dark hours, but most weeks we've been outside doing our activities. Um, and we're really lucky for this project to be funded by BBC Children in Need. Groundwork received funding from BBC Children in Need to do this project, which is for 20 weeks. And so without that funding, these children wouldn't benefit from your... No, they wouldn't, no. This is an additional, it's an after-school club, um, so it's an additional activity for these children. We've got ten children who regularly come mm. every week. And how important is it, do you think? What, do you think they benefit a lot from this sort of thing? Yeah, it's good for their environmental knowledge as well as their social skills as well. They work in teams, they get to work with peers that they might not necessarily work with in school so it works at many levels as well as just having fun and also develops their confidence um, learning and being outside uh, in particular Matthew's worked really well he, he finds it difficult to work in the classroom but when he's been outside he's, he's concentrated on task and he if he needs to walk away because he's distracted he will do and that's he enjoys really being outside really Judith Chamberlain you're the head here at Lakeside mm-hmm. School in Welling Garden City absolutely can you describe to us roughly what the benefits are for the pupils who attend the, the gardening club? It's just been something very new for the students. They don't have a lot of opportunity to have a, to attend schools after club. So anything we can offer them that's different is fantastic. And having Philippa here with her expertise has been a real treat for them. They've been able to go out and explore in the local environment. They've used our grounds. They've been able to look at nature they brought nature back indoors and really it's been something that they don't normally get the chance to do as part of their normal school day so the 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 children (coughs) need money is it proved quite worthwhile it's getting very difficult for us to try and run clubs if we have to pay staff to do that it's quite expensive our children can't just 
come to club with one person running it. It's quite highly staff intensive. So having this money has been fantastic. We literally could not have run this club in any other way. We couldn't have afforded to do it. So it's been absolutely essential. Well, for children in need this year, the BBC in the east of England has gathered six youth choirs together, and tonight they'll be performing a concert in Cambridge. And after seven, I'll be joined in the studio by Gail Windress, who is the director of the Luton Gospel Community Choir. They're also taking part. And I want to hear from you this morning. What are you doing for children in need? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, yesterday, of course, were the uh, <clears throat> Police and Crime Commissioner's elections. David Evans voted in Potter's Bar in Hertfordshire yesterday. He was only the 19th person to do so. He joins me now. Good morning, David. Good morning. How did the polling station look yesterday? Was it busy? Uh, pretty desolate. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, there were sort of five people manning the desks and nobody else in there voting at all. That was, it must have been a bit awkward, because normally when you go for a vote, there's a steady stream of people, and, you know, they, they, sometimes you even have to queue. Did, did they tell you that you were the 19th person in? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd already been on to the electoral people at Hartsmere to say I'd had no information from anybody at all about right. who was standing, and they'd said that the only way to find out was to go online, and I said, well, that's really useful for people who haven't got computers, and I would have thought that most of the people that were going to vote would be in that group that would be more elderly... It does annoy me, David. Listen, I'm online. Of course I am. I'm a thrusting young media type. <laughs> but it does annoy me when they say, oh, yeah, just, you, just go to this website. Because, okay. because not everyone has got a computer, and not everyone can get to the library, and not everyone wants to go on a computer. Yeah. Uh, so when I, when I got to votes, I, I mentioned this to them and said I understood that they were expecting between 15 and 20% of the population to actually vote at all. And they said, but actually here it's only one and a half percent. You're the 19th person that's voted. And that was by about two o'clock in the afternoon. Sorry, one and a half percent? Yep. David, how do you think that this this whole thing has been handled? Uh, A fiasco, basically. And apparently it's going to be every three years. How much it's costing to do it, I really don't know. But uh, there seems to be very little interest in it at all. Well, Paul Scoynes, our political reporter, I think mentioned the figure, something like £75 million. Yeah, right. That's th- th- that's not to be sneezed at, is it? No, it could probably have been spent better. David, very quickly, in 30 seconds, what could they have done to make these elections better? Uh, well, certainly if they'd actually informed people more, if there'd been more through the door, I know they rely on volunteers to actually do that, but if we could have found out more about people, it would have been really handy. David, in Potter's Bar, thank you very much. Well, that's his uh, experience yesterday. Did, what about yours? 08459 455 555. Did you bother to vote? If you did, what was it like? Was it empty? Was it busy? And if you didn't vote, can I ask why? Can we start every show with that song? Whoever put that in the playlist is a genius. Every show, I want that song. It's fantastic, isn't it? I was air drumming along like the old man I am. Fantastic. Now, it's day six of the large fire at Apspond Lane in St Albans. Roads near the wood recycling plant were closed, whilst many nearby residents have suffered loss of power and water services. In just a minute, we'll speak to Justin Dealey, who's back at the scene. Uh, But first, let's hear from Catherine Reardon. Catherine lives just a few hundred yards from the fire, and she's been trying to look after her two-year-old child, despite having no water. I've got kids. If you haven't got water, and you've got kids, you are stuffed. 
the, the simple things like just cleaning the bottles. Oh, my goodness. Well, she started by telling Justin about the ash which covers her car, caused by changes in wind over the last couple of days. Well, it looks as if someone's had a bonfire either on it or very close to it. It's covered in ash, and um, which won't come off. And it's very sticky ash. Um, so, yeah, I'd wash it if I could, but I don't have any water still. Just to add to your frustration, so at this moment in time, you have, what, no water at all? We have no water at all um, during, for the ma- vast majority of the day. We get it on for about um, an hour in the morning, early morning, um, and an hour in the evening. That's just since last night. The water company have um, managed to negotiate with the fire brigade to allow us to have that. And you've got a two-year-old child. This has been going on since Sunday. It's been an absolute nightmare for you, hasn't it? It's been very, very challenging. Um, you know, it's it's a question now of nearly a week on um, of just basic sanitation now you know flushing the toilets using a shower using a bath um, all the things you take for granted every day being able to put a wash on you can't do you have got a lot of very nice friends, but they must be getting frustrated as well with you saying, can I come round for a shower? Yes, I think we're, uh, we've called in all the favours that we can now, so um, we're, we're uh, not really able to do that any longer. So um, I think the big question for us is how much longer is it going to last? Um, it's, you know, as I said, it's been nearly a week and there seems to be no sign of the fire getting any smaller. Uh, the water company, whilst they've been fantastic, aren't able to tell us when the water's going to be able to come back on. So it's a bit of a guessing game. Do you think that you might have to move out for a bit? If they say it's going to take another week, another week of trying to put this fire out using your water to fight that fire, might you have to move out and go to a hotel or something? Yeah, I think that's going to be the next option for us. We need to start looking into that because, um, you know, there is no sign of it stopping. They're saying at least another week at the moment um, before it can go out. So if that means another week without water, then absolutely. All of our listeners certainly feel for you. Have you received a letter, a phone call, somebody knocking on your door from the council, Hertfordshire County Council, because the site we're talking about, of course, it is looked after by Hearts County Council and the Environment Agency. Have Hearts County Council been in touch at all? Not at all. Not a word from them or um, from anyone else locally. Our water company are the only people that have been in touch. We've not had anybody from the actual um, fire, from the wood recycling depot being round, which I would have expected being, you know, we're their nearest neighbour. Mm. It's clearly affecting us. I would have expected at least a phone call from them. Um, or from our councillor or from the council as you say just someone to check that you know we're okay or what they can offer for help um yeah. but it's, it's it's radio silence completely yeah there's absolutely been no support at all um even to the state where last night we could see the wind direction had changed and the smoke was coming right across our well you can see from the car yeah. right across the house we didn't know were we going to have to evacuate if the smoke gets worse you know my little boy's got asthma as well so. well that's just indeed with Catherine reardon who lives a few hundred yards from the iron apps pond lane in st albans where justin uh, Dealey is live at the scene now morning justin hello ian the fire doesn't look any different does it well i have to say i mean i've been coming here every day this week there is a very small improvement this morning Uh, the flames aren't quite as high clearly it's a very very slow process Mm. and the firemen working very hard just to contain the fire since the early hours of sunday morning something like ten thousand tons of timber was alight and it's their job really just to try and contain that because it's a miracle i would say that only part of this recycling plant has caught fire because surrounding the fire itself there must be another 40,000 tonnes of wood there. After 7 o'clock this morning, we're going to be talking to Ian Markwell. He's from Hearts Fire and Rescue. And after 8 o'clock, we're going to be hearing from Stacey Gorham. Now, Stacey, like Catherine, lives a few hundred yards from the fire. She also has a young child, and she, quite simply, Ian, has had enough. She's moved out and gone to live elsewhere, while she has no 
hot water because you make the point if you've got a young child you need hot water it's as simple as that you, you, you've got two-year-old three-year-old four-year-old you, you cannot survive without having water you need to clean stuff you need to boil stuff you need to wash the kids it must be a nightmare for them Justin. it, it is a nightmare for them i saw the car as well that this change in wind direction her car has just got ash all over it people here only about 15 homes up this road on the a4147 Apspon lane in st albans but the people here they are just so so angry because still nobody either from the plant hertfordshire county council or the environment agency has said we're sorry that is all they want well we had a councillor on yesterday uh, um ian ray i think his name was who who, who refused to apologize um which i thought was a little bit disappointing uh, and it, it was a struggle to get them in the studio the, the company that owns the land seems to have disappeared they're mm-hmm. not uh, and I, listen if they're listening you're more than welcome to come on this show to speak to me or to go out and meet Justin. We would love to talk to you, but they've just disappeared. No, we can't get hold of them. Obviously, we should try and track them down and, again, invite them on the programme. That invite stands this morning. But when I put that point to Catherine yesterday, I said to her, well, we had somebody on the programme from Hertfordshire County Council and four times you asked for that apology four times that person refused to give that apology Mm. well i can tell you something catherine was absolutely furious about that and she hopes by coming on the radio today that that hopefully somebody will have the decency to either knock on her door or pick up the phone and just say we're sorry because as she mentions again if the wind changes and there's ash outside her home with all the smoke what do they need to do? Is there some form of evacuation plan? They have heard absolutely nothing. The only people they are hearing from is their water company, who, in their defence, have been doing a fantastic job. Yes. Two updates a day, also delivering bottles of water. Well, I think that we should say that, you're right, the water company have been doing a cracking job, and also, obviously, the fire services are doing a cracking yeah, job. There's are. no criticism of them in any way, I don't think. But they just want somebody to call them and tell them, this is what you might need to do if, for example, the wind changes over the weekend. They've heard absolutely nothing since this fire started in the early hours of Sunday morning. Justin, excellent work as always. Look forward to speaking to you later on. There are pictures of the fire, fresh pictures on the fire. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I hope you're having a good morning. Lots coming up on the show between now and nine, including former Radio One DJ Dave Lee Travis returns to his home in Buckinghamshire after being arrested and bailed. Reports of a very low turnout for the police and crime commissioner elections in beds, hearts and bucks. Did you bother to vote? Two things here. Did you vote? If you did, what did it look like? Was it empty? And if you didn't vote, why not? And there's a row over a work placement that's been advertised at a Milton Keynes shop. Should you be expected to work for free to try and get a temporary Christmas job? If you want to get in touch, you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or, and this is the best way, let's be honest, you can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The story about the uh, the, the temporary job, um, and it, it, it's incredible. I, I was reading it. I think I've made my mind up on it. We're going to speak to both sides of it in a little bit. I think I know where I'm sitting on it. 
Uh, but we'll be keen, keen to get your thoughts on it when it comes up. It's amazing. Uh, 08459-455-555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. This is what Judy has done. I voted yesterday. There were a few people coming in at the time. The thing that worries me about the whole thing is that one person could be responsible for hiring and firing of a chief constable. Too much power, in my opinion. Barbara from Hitchin says, I voted. There were eight people on duty, four either side. There was one person voting as well as me. Well, this is what we're hearing, is that in some of the turnout could be as low as 10% in some places. Is that really big enough to give whoever wins a mandate? We'll start getting the, the, uh, the winners in Beds, Hearts and Bucks um, by, probably by about 2 o'clock this afternoon. Dave in Luton says, I didn't vote Thursday. Got no trust in police, politicians... Doctors, hospitals, courts, lawyers, etc. Dave, who do you trust? They are only interested in money themselves. And then he puts families. I don't quite understand what that means. David, you, you, you don't... I trust doctors. I kind of have to trust doctors. I know we're talking about, you know, people not getting um, antibiotics and things like that. I, I kind of trust doctors. I trust my doctor. He's an excellent chap, I think. Well, Dave, you put, you've put doubt in my head now. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, as you've been hearing all morning, former Radio 1 DJ Dave Lee Travis has been bailed after being arrested as part of the police probe set up in the wake of the Jimmy Savile scandal. The 67-year-old was arrested at his home in Mentmore, Buckinghamshire, on suspicion of sexual offences. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Catherine Boyle has been looking into this story. Catherine, what more can you tell us about Dave Lee Travis? Well, we know that he was arrested at a quarter to eight yesterday morning at his home in Buckinghamshire, released on bail last night to return to Aylesbury Police Station in early January. Um, of course, Dave Lee Travis household name for those of us who can remember the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. Uh, famous for his 25-year stint on Radio 1, although, of course, he presented a Sunday morning programme here at BBC Three Counties Radio from his home, and that went uh, from March 2003 to March 2007. Um, of course, his career on Radio 1 came to an end quite famously in 1993. He had that massive rant on air, didn't he? He resigned on air. He laid it all oh, out dear. there, didn't he? Um, he resigned from his role telling listeners just how happy, unhappy he was with the uh, changes that were taking place. Um, he also presented editions of Top of the Pops in the 1970s and 80s and is currently presenting the DLT show for the Magic Network. The arrest was part of this, this Operation U-Tree, wasn't it? Yeah, that's, and that's a wide investigation, Operation U-Tree, into a broad range of allegations against a number of people. It was set up in the wake of the Jimmy Savile scandal. However, it's important to emphasise that some of those allegations do not involve children. Um, the Met Police say that they have now identified around 450 potential victims of sexual abuse. That was the figure as of yesterday. And the arrest of DLT is the fourth so far in connection with this particular investigation. Uh, In a statement yesterday, the Met told us that uh, latest arrest falls under the strand of the investigation they've termed others, meaning that the allegations are unrelated directly to Savile. And what's happened to the other people arrested in connection with the Savile investigation? Okay, so former pop star Gary Glitter, he was the first person to be arrested, Paul Gadd, in connection with the Met Savile abuse inquiry. He was arrested on suspicion of sex offences and has been bailed until mid-December. On 1st of November, uh, police arrested entertainer Freddie Starr, again on suspicion of sexual offences. He's denied those claims vehemently and he was bailed after a number of hours of questioning. And on Sunday, former BBC producer Wilfred Diath, who's in his 70s, was arrested in Cambridge on suspicion of sexual offences and he's been bailed until December. Catherine Boyle, thank you very much. 
Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, this police uh, and crime commissioners, the votes were yesterday. Did you go and vote? It, it's going to have a, an incredibly low turnout. We, we, we're talking possibly 10, 15% in some places. Well, the, look, uh, the PCC elections look set to be mired in controversy amid reports of these very low turnouts and deserted polling stations. If you went, were they deserted? Was it empty? Maybe yours was bustling. In Wiltshire, one of the first places to declare, nearly 82,000 people voted. Sounds like quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, a total electorate of over half a million. It's 15.8%. By five o'clock last night, 90 people had been to vote at Wooden Memorial Hall in Kempston. And our reporter, Serena Farrow, was there. Yes, jazz. We need safe roads for the children. We need more policing. Do you feel safe in Bedford? Yes, I do, yes, in Kempston, yes. I think the police do a good job, personally. I don't really see what difference it's going to make, to be honest. Yeah, it's fine the way it is. I don't think it's fine as it is now. Will your family be voting? Yeah, they are. They encourage you to vote as well? Yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't have bothered? Probably not. Do were they good candidates though? Did you have enough information about them? Not really. Them? No, it wasn't a lot of information about any, any of them at all. And was that disappointing for you? Yeah. Any friends voting as well or not voting? Yeah, they all are. I think everyone will be voting. Yeah. I don't trust any of them. To be honest, they all lie. So you literally won't be voting, and your mother isn't voting. No, none of us. Yeah, I feel confident about who I'm voting for because I know the person oh. I'm going to vote for. But, um, Can you tell us? No. <laughs> tell us then what you're interested in. I'm hoping that they'll achieve a fairer service, really. People want the police to be out more on the streets. They want, you know, people to get to crises faster. You know, I think people want to be heard more. And I think a lot of people are finding that the police are letting them down simply because they don't have the resources. Yeah, I don't think there has been enough information. What, what would you like to have seen? Perhaps them going out a bit more yeah, or having, like, yeah. you know, standing here yeah, on a Friday absolutely. night? Just being out more in the community. Even doing a surgery in the library or something, you know, in the supermarket. All we've seen is bits and pieces in the local papers. Apart from not voting for the guy from the EDL, I probably wouldn't have known who to vote for really i believe it's a good idea and as long as we can eradicate all the errors that we've had then it's a good idea well bernard ricks wanted to be the conservative candidate for bedfordshire but was pipped to the post by jazz palmer he has advised governments and police forces on policing for 20 years morning bernard morning Ian. been a bit of a farce hasn't it uh, it's certainly been a, a cold voting day. I was out myself yesterday at Biggleswade Station and my fingers were freezing at the end of it. And I'm sure that that's deterred people from uh, voting. And uh, the publicity, or the lack of it in many cases, hasn't helped either. 10%, 15% we're hearing. It, it's, it's, it's all a bit embarrassing, really. And you're right, the cold weather may have had something to do with it, but perhaps it's more to do with just a lack of interest. Well, we've seen the same on the by-election uh, turnout. There's been uh, a small number of by-elections uh, yesterday as well, and they've had turnouts uh, higher teens, low 20s as well. So I, I think the, the real test now uh, is going to be as to what these PCCs do. We'll know later in the day uh, who our uh, um, PCCs are going to be in beds, hearts and bucks, and uh, uh, we'll see how they do. You uh, wanted to stand. Jazz Palmer beat you. Do you think he, he stands a chance of winning? Because the, the Tories seem pretty worried, don't they, with the Prime Minister and the Home Secretary both visiting in the last week? Well, Bedfordshire is going to be one of the closest uh, constituencies, one of the closest forces. So um, we'll see later on today. I, I think the uh, results announced about three o'clock, though I think it could have been could be earlier because of the low turnout. Mm. So early afternoon. 
It is interesting, isn't it? The government uh, the, uh, have been spinning the line, well, any turnout still more acceptable than the old police authorities. But it, honestly, do people really care? Well, I think they do. If you if you just uh, heard the comments that you'd uh, just played, uh, one particular commentator, one particular person said, people wants to be heard more. And I think that absolutely hits the nail on the head. We didn't know before who to approach in our police authority. Um, we will know now exactly who we, we approach. And uh, in three and a half years, if they haven't been doing their job properly, we can vote them out. But the people that Serena, our reporter, was speaking to there were people that are bothered to vote. What about the other 85%? Well... The, the test of the PCC will be for them to engage with everybody, not just the... Eight, well, in fact, it won't be 18% that will have voted for them, of course. It will be a proportion of that. So um, well, the test of the PCC will be to engage with everybody and actually de- to demonstrate their value. It's, it's a new role. Um, people, I, I believe, do not fully understand what it's all about. It is an important role, and it's a powerful role, and we now have to see those PCCs making an impact. Bernard Ricks, thank you very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Martin Luton has uh, emailed, I did vote yesterday, not because I had any political persuasion, not because I believe we need a PCC, I voted because it was my right and we should all exercise that right whenever we have it. It's ironic that four days after we celebrated those that died for our freedom, the majority of the country disregarded one of the fundamental rights they fought for. That's Matt in Luton. Pat in Houghton Regis, good morning Pat. Good morning Ian. Did you vote yesterday? Yes. Can I ask who you voted for? No. <laughs> is, it, is it a secret? Well, it's it's not so much a secret. It's, it, as as the person just alluded to, you know, they fought for the right. Uh, they've you know gone to war yeah. to sort of uh, let you have your freedom of um, choice, like. But at the end of the day, to me, it's a bad habit of voting. It's not so much I want to vote. It's just a bad habit. And did but, and did you vote properly? Because we're hearing reports. Uh, Paul Scoynes, our reporter, has just tweeted that apparently a lot of the the votes were spoiled papers. I spoilt mine. I probably spoilt mine because I actually wrote on mine to tell them what I thought of the the fast that's ensued at the moment. You wrote them a message. Yeah, oh yeah, can, it has to be it has to be read out. Can you tell us what the message was? Because th- this will get your will get a bigger audience than the the people who are counting the vote. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, it's just putting political politicians through the back door, doing the job they've been doing in the past with the police. Nothing's going to change. Pat and Houghton Regis, thank you very much. I think that would count as a spoilt paper. I'm not totally sure. I think if you do write on it, it counts as a spoilt paper. Is that right? Back to these PCC elections. Did you go? Uh, what was it like if you went? Was it busy? And if you didn't go, I'm kind of, I guess, interested as well to hear from people who didn't go, who knew it was going on and just thought, ah, I, I really, I can't be bothered. Why didn't you go? It's important, isn't it? Who's in charge of the police? Surely. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Sheila's in St Albans. Sheila, did you go and vote yesterday? I did. Can I ask who you voted for? Or is that top secret? Uh, no, that's top secret. Okay, thank I've you. I've had to kill you. Oh, oh blimey! That's, that's the first threat of the morning. The show's off to a good start. What, what, what did you make of it? Was it busy yesterday? No, I will admit I didn't go till about um, seven o'clock or so in the evening. Uh huh. Um, I wasn't sure if they were open. Um, I did make a formal complaint. They said they were going to call me back because I felt that the local newspaper the week before had put the four names in with a, a bit of blurb. This week's newspaper had nothing in it, the free review or whatever. Um, 
the so there was nothing I knew about it. I don't think I get a polling card. Mm. Um, it was just a guess of where I'd been before. Right. Um, I couldn't park outside. Um, normally they keep spaces, so I have to say I was parked on the double yellow line on the pavement. Oh, I Sheila, thought, the new the new police and crime commissioner would, exactly would lock your car up. Exactly. But one thing I wasn't happy about was the fact that they were all affiliated to Conservative, Labour, or whatever. Right. And I felt if they are going to be in this position. Um, whoever was in power would either force that person to do what their bidding was. Well, they have to in other words, either cut back or, yeah. or spend or what they believed in. And I felt it wasn't a position where you should necessarily have to go by... The political yes. mandate. I believe that they have to swear an oath or at least, you know, sign that they, they won't bring politics into it. But you do wonder but, but how is put, that but, possible? But then they put in the papers, they were all said who they were from. Really had the party yeah. next to it. Exactly. So, put it bluntly, if you don't like that party, you might not vote for that person, but that person might have been, might have been the best one for the, that particular job. Sheila, Paul Scoyne's our political uh, r- reporter, has just uh, emailed me. Okay. Manchester, I know it's out of the region, but Manchester, it's one of the biggest police forces in the country. Have a guess what the turnout was. Um, five. A little bit more than that, 13.13% for Manchester, which has got a huge police force. It's a bit of a farce, isn't it, Sheila? Well, I, I actually think, I don't think that I know enough about the people to put someone in a position of power like that. I'm all right with my local council and, and the rest of it. You know, maybe I've got an idea and, and we can get them out. But I, I really think that us little personages don't really know enough to put that person i think it should be for oh gosh higher ups people who are more in the job to to, to deal with that sort of person sheila thank you very much indeed sheila and always i'm just hearing and we need to confirm this again this is from paul scoynes uh, i'm a celeb- sorry our political um the reporter whoever wins the election in bedfordshire is going to swear in live on our show on monday morning that's exciting Wow, thank you, Paul, for that. Uh, we shall keep you informed about that. That's uh, very exciting. Now, your son or daughter, if they've got any sense and is, are old enough, hopefully they're looking to get a little Christmas job over um, over the Christmas period, of course. When else would you get a Christmas job? We've all done it, haven't we? You come back from college or university or you, you, you've got a break from school, you go in and get a Christmas job, a Saturday job, you earn a few quid. Well, a shop in Milton Keynes has advertised an unpaid four-week position which may lead to a paid temporary job. So unpaid for four weeks, and it might lead to a temporary job over Christmas. Duties at Pulp will involve uh, stock work, processing and organising stock in a tidy and professional manner. So, stacking shelves, I would guess. The the shop sells clothes and other merchandise like key rings and jewellery. Well, Kirsty McCall Thornley saw the advert and is unhappy about what's on offer. Morning, Kirsty. Good morning. We've also got on the other line Ian Hopkins. He's the founder of Pulp, the shop in Milton Keynes. He joins us from his hotel in Amsterdam. Good morning, Ian. Morning, morning. Kirsty, we'll start with you first. What, why do you feel so strongly about this? Well, I mean, I think it's a travesty that a retailer who is going to have a boom in their business during the holidays is refusing to pay bare minimum wage. But isn't this the chance that it could lead to some paid work? I don't think it's the opportunity um, that they're saying it is, because it could or it could not. There may be no job at the end of the tunnel. OK, well, let's go to Ian, who is the founder of the shop. Ian, what's your opinion on this? Obviously, you think it's a um, cracking idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's some problem with this, because uh, I think the ladies uh, understood the adverts wrong, because what we're doing is we're offering uh, tem- temporary positions over Christmas for paid employees. We're employing as many people as you did last year, 
but we're also offering a four-week uh, internship in effect or, or uh, um, uh, uh, child work experience jobs, which run alongside two completely separate things. Well, I've got the ad in front of me, right? Yep. Te- temporary work experience. This is an unpaid yep. four-week position which yep. may lead to a paid temporary position over the Christmas period. Absolutely. So you, you're you getting get... people to, to, to let me, so let me see if I've got this right. You're getting people to work for four weeks unpaid, and it might lead to a short-term Christmas job. Absolutely, that, that is the case. And what we've done with uh, other people in the past is people have taken that opportunity, and after Christmas and or before Christmas, we've taken those people on as a full-time position. How many? How many of those people did you take on? What was the percentage? We took on half. Half of the people we took on. on a, Do you not think? Listen, it's been a long time since I've had a Christmas job, but I used to just go into a shop, say, "Got any jobs over Christmas?" They'd say, "Yes, you start here, and you, you start in a, in a couple of weeks' time." Do you not think it's slightly exploitative to have people trying out? for a short-term Christmas job that they may not get? I don't think it is. No, I think they're giving people the opportunity to come in and try something out. Um, you know, for, for us as an employer, we are employing as many people as you did last year, and this gives an opportunity to try a few other people out and give them some experience and give us some experience in trying them out as well, because it, it doesn't always work out in the first couple of weeks whether these people are good enough, because they, well, they may interview very well. Period. Go on, Kirsty, sorry. So that's why you have a probationary period when you hire staff. They have their training on the job, and they're paid minimum wage while they're being trained. So I don't know why you think that you should um, get your staff to do their training and not pay them. Ian? Well, for us, it, this is quite simple. It's worked in the past. It's worked very successfully. It doesn't it mean it's right, though, does it, Ian? If it's, if it's worked in the past for you, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's right. It's an opportunity for Pulp and their shareholders, not for young people in Milton Keynes. No, it isn't. We're giving people a genuine opportunity for a position around the Christmas period. An unpaid position. And an unpaid position for a short term. And if they're good enough, they come in and work on a full-time basis if we've got the uh, positions available. How many weeks are the temporary jobs for, Ian? The the, 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 the paid ones? The, the paid ones, we take on staff up until about mid-January. And then after January, what we normally find is a lot of students go back, and we employ an awful lot of students, they go back to uh, universities, they give up their jobs, and then there's positions available on a full-time, permanent basis. But, but the, 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 the job specifically mentioned uh, in the, uh, the advert, the paid temporary position over the Christmas period, how long is that? The pa- paid temporary positions? Yeah. About six weeks, uh, eight weeks. Okay, so, well, hang on, eight weeks, and ending in mid-January, so th- 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 they'd have to start now, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's why we've got adverts out. Okay. But so they have to start immediately. I've got the maths wrong in my head then, so if, they, if they're going to, they, say they get the, the, the month unpaid now, yes. uh, then they'd only be able to do maximum a month paid work if they're going to finish in mid-January. That, uh, a minimum of that, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... so essentially th- getting them to do their training for free, when most employers would pay people for their training. But, Kirsty, listen, the jobs are few and far between, aren't they? Yeah, surely, the surely companies have to be competitive and have to try and weed, uh, get the, the, the wheat from the chaff, don't they? <laughs> but they're taking away that opportunity for a young person. I mean, it sets a very dangerous precedent. What's to stop a, a retailer next Christmas hiring 100 work experience over Christmas? Kirsty, why, no, why uh, do you... Go on, Ian, sorry. Now, I tell you that one of the major reasons why we're doing this yeah. is we, we um, got a guy coming front of us about six or eight months ago, and he's got a master's degree in, in data management, okay? And he's a very bright boy. He could only get a job working in, in Topshop 
part-time. That's the biggest job he could get. For two years he'd been trying to get a job in what he wanted to do. He couldn't get a job. We said, what we do is we take him on and use him in our business to do a range of different things on an unpaid basis, okay? To give him the experience, because he was saying to us he couldn't get the job he wanted because he didn't have experience. Now, what we've done is we've, he worked for us as an intern for about three or four weeks. He worked out really well for us. We now employ him on a full-time basis. Okay. We're giving him the opportunity to get skills and experience in the job that he wants to do. And hopefully he'll go off and get another job in the, in the thing he wants to do, in data Ian, management. How many um, uh, positions have you got in this unpaid four-week job? How many, how many people are you expecting to, to come and, and work for you for free for four weeks? I would think we're going to get one or two per store. Okay. Uh, and how many jobs are there again, just in total, that they could possibly get? There's probably about half a dozen, half a dozen to twelve across the business. Kirsty, why do you feel so strongly about this? Have you had experience of other internships? Uh, yeah, and, and I think the problem with unpaid work is that there is no paid job at the end of the tunnel, and people need to recognise that the challenges of an unpaid position um, is for young people from a low-income family, and that these opportunities are only available for people who can afford not to work, and you're you're reinforcing an already unlevel playing field. I don't believe that at all. I'm really giving people the opportunity. I'm genuinely giving people the opportunity here to try something out. And if it works for them and it works for us, we will be taking people on. But Christmas, Ian, because listen, we, we all know that shops in Christmas, and particularly a shop like yours, is going to be incredibly busy. Is it really fair to, to, get, to offer this unpaid month over Christmas, because it's going to make your life easier, isn't it? And I would add that national minimum no, wage for under-18s is £3.68. Well, it, it is going to make your life easier, Ian, because it's the, the busiest time of the year and you've got a load of people working for free. You might think it's really easy, but those people have to go, have at least a week or two's training before they can go on a shop floor and work effectively. So it's actually well, taking a lot of time and effort out of my staff to train these people. It doesn't take that much. Listen, I've worked in shops. It doesn't take that much training to work a till and stack a shelf. Uh, I think you'll find tills nowadays have got a lot more to them, and the systems inside our business... I know how till, of, uh, Ian, I know way, how till works, I've seen them, <laughs> you know, you, you, they're even easier. When I, when I did it, you had to do the swipe the card thing. Now you can just pop it in and... T- it, it, they're easy to work. Come on, it's half a day's training tops. No, no, it's a bit longer than that. And also, we have a lot of internal systems in customer service. There's a lot of product training to go on with these guys. It takes a lot longer than you think. OK, Ian Hopkins, founder of Pulp, the shop in Milton Keynes, thank you. And Kirsty McCall-Thornley, who's unhappy with the other. Well, dear listener, what do you think? Should you, uh, should you be expected to work for free for a month to try and get a temporary Christmas job? It's not leading necessarily to a, a full-time job. It's a temporary Christmas job. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. I think Ema's a little bit patronising. I know, I know how a till works. If anything, tills are easier these days. I had a, I had 20-minute till training when I worked in HMV. I don't know, what was that, 18 years ago? Call 08459 455 Jonathan Vernon Smith is all over. The internet is melting under the weight of Jonathan Vernon Smith. Isn't that incredible? He's all over there. Honestly, he's, uh, there was the, the, the fantastic show he did uh, a couple of days ago where he was at Nadine Doris's um, constituency and there was a wonderful bit that was wonderful and uncomfortable and awkward and embarrassing and brilliant where he, um, had, uh, he spoke to uh, Nadine Doris's parliamentary assistant 
um, and really put him on the spot. And there was a debate in various... I think it's going to be used... Uh, genuinely, I think it's going to be used in university courses to decide whether, he, you know, the interviewing techniques and whether he went too far into it. He, I don't think he did. I thought it was wonderfully handled. Well, apparently Five Live have been playing it. There's a review of it in The Times... Well, Jonathan, it's been nice working with you, but uh, hopefully you'll remember us when you <laughs> when you go to Radio 4. Wonderful, excellent stuff. Coming up on the show in the next half an hour, find out why one MP says the services provided by London Midland from Watford to St Albans Abbey is unacceptable, and it's children in need. The BBC in the east of England have gathered six youth choirs together, and tonight they'll be performing a concert in Cambridge. You'll get a special preview from the director of the Luton Gospel Choir before 8 o'clock. <laughs> Call 08459-455-555-BBC-three-counties-radio-BBC-three-counties-radio-BBC-three-counties-radio-BBC-three-counties-radio-BBC-three-counties-radio-BBC-three-counties-radio-BBC-three-counties-radio-BBC-three-counties-
at the end of the year they are not within their contractual right, then obviously they must be, it must be considered the next time the franchise is up that they, they will lose it. Do we know when the, when the franchise is up? Uh, no, I don't. I've been trying to find out, but unfortunately it's all mixed up with you know, loads of national franchises. Right. That's one question that I have actually asked. And they send someone to see me. It happened the last time this was out of hand. Very slick, well organised with all these percentages and colour charts and all this kind of thing. But the fact is, I know it's unacceptable because of, of people only a small number of people contact me but you have to assume that for every one person that contacts the MP there's probably 50 people who are just equally annoyed but they're not the kind of people that would contact their MP Richard Harrington we have to leave it there thank you very much MP for Watford doesn't sound like the sort of man that'll be dazzled by pie charts and Venn diagrams in the slightest well we did ask London Midland to come on the show this morning they can't uh, but they have provided us with this statement Richard Brooks commercial director at London Midland said and I quote we apologise to all those passengers affected and thank them for their continued patients. Our driver shortage has been caused by a vacancy gap and we are working hard to resolve this. In the meantime we'll be ensuring that we give passengers advance notice of any changes on London Midland websites londonmidland.com at London Midland on Twitter and via the National Rail Inquiry Service on 08457 484950. We believe this will provide passengers with more certainty, enable better journey planning, and improve that travel experience. 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Should we have a quick look at the front page of the newspapers? Yes, let's do that, shall we, while, uh, while we have a moment's peace between us. i tell you what I won't do. I was listening to Radio 5 Live the other day as I, as I drive in, and the, the gentleman presenting, they, had, they, lost, they were talking to someone in India, and, the, and the, Pakistan, and the line went down. He had, nothing, he had nothing to do. didn't have any papers or anything to hand, so he went, right, I'm going to read you some John Betchman. He read a poem on the radio. We all know poems on the radios don't work. They don't work, do they? Let's have a quick look at these, shall we? The Independent. Um, an eye for an eye. Militant rockets target Tel Aviv for the first time since 1991 in revenge for uh, Gaza assault. The, uh, oh, these are all in a very funny order. The Daily Telegraph. It's time to end trial by Twitter. Oh, this is interesting. Peer to sue tweeters who linked him to sex abuse as BBC pays £185,000 in damages. Lord McAlpine has promised to end trial by Twitter, announcing an unprecedented series of libel actions against people who use the website to link him wrongly to child abuse allegations. And there's a picture of Sally Burker, who's married to the Speaker, who may or may not be involved in that. The Guardian. Slow, leaky, rusty. £10 billion sub beset by design flaws. A stute boat has a Viet engine with a Morris Minor gearbox. Lovely. OK, and uh, very quickly, let's do the others. Very quickly, the Daily Express, furious Katada demands a new house. The Daily Mail, Leveson disturbing questions over his key advisor. And on the front page of The Sun, to Lisa, who I believe is a pop star, is going out with the man. Yeah, there we go. That's the front page. The PCC elections, low turnout. We're hearing in Manchester, it could have been as low as, uh, which well, I know it's, it's slightly out of the region, but it's, it's the, one of the biggest police forces in the country, could have been as low as 13%. Enid's in Royston. Enid? Hello. Hello. Did you vote yesterday? No, I didn't. Can I ask why not? Because I did have a leaflet come through the letterbox. Yep. I read it. I do not believe politicians know anything about policing. I don't trust them and all the money that they'll be in charge of. No. So you think that the system is, uh, is flawed? Yes. Every time the politicians get involved in anything, it goes wrong. 
But it's going to happen. It's definitely happening. Did you not want to go and did you not want to go and have your say anyway? Just no. pick the, the lesser of all the evils. No, I didn't because everyone's just going to vote for the party that they normally vote for in any case. Nothing to do with the people. And what do they know about policing? Well, this is some of them are perhaps better equipped. Uh, than others. You'll be excited to hear that um, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Bedfordshire is going to be sworn in live on this show on Monday, Enid. Oh, is he? Are you going to be tuned in for that? What time would it be? We're not sure yet. Let's, let's, oh. let's say about 20 past seven. Oh, yes, eight, yes. Eight o'clock it's going to be. Okay. You'll be listening? Yes. Thank you very much. There we go, you see. If, listen, if I have to phone you up one by one and try and get you to listen, if that's what it takes to get more listeners, I'll do it. I'm not, I'm not proud. I'm not proud in the slightest. Now, you are being urged not to request antibiotics for coughs and colds due to an increasing resistance to treatments in the population. The Health Protection Agency says it's important for antibiotics to be prescribed only when necessary so the drugs are effective when patients actually need them. A new leaflet has been designed so patients have a better understanding of common ailments and the length of time that they last, so they're less likely to demand antibiotics when they visit the doctor. Dr Paul Roblin is the Chief Executive of Bucks, Barks and Oxfordshire Local Medical Committee. He joins me now. Good morning, Doctor. Hello. What do you say when patients specifically ask you for antibiotics? I tend to uh, help them or jointly analyse their problem and reach a conclusion. Um, and the usual conclusion uh, for certainly respiratory uh, infections is, is that it's a viral condition. And, of course, we know that antibiotics don't help viral conditions. So when, it, when the antibiotics definitely wouldn't help, uh, and it, you're right, they don't work well for coughs and colds necessarily, uh, you, obviously you don't give them. But what if the... The problem could be helped with antibiotics. Are you still reluctant to, to hand them out? Well, the strategy that most doctors use that is called def a deferred prescription. There's always a small element of doubt when you make the judgment that antibiotics won't help. And I can, of course, if a patient came back, doctor, and told me, you told me they w them, I would get better on my own, but I haven't. And actually, that's when you start to use antibiotics on a, well, because it's lasted so long, it must have become bacterial. So you can anticipate that with the patient on the first consultation and say, my guidance today is that this is viral and should get better. Should, I, should this turn out not to be the case, then actually here's a prescription that you can cash in if those circumstances happen to you. Oh, you, you, you know, Doctor, that those people would cash that prescription in straight away, I wouldn't they? I don't believe that's true. Really? I think, I think that's a very cynical viewpoint of the, oh. way, of the way people behave. Most people tell me, actually, they don't want to use drugs really? uh, if they don't have to. So I think you're actually wrong there. I'm surprised. I know that I definitely... If so, a doctor gave me a prescription and said, if, if in a week you're still feeling poorly, use that, I'd go and cash it in and start taking it immediately. Like, okay. I, I think that a lot of people would. Well, I think you're slightly unusual, and actually I think you, you ought, if that's your personal policy, yes. you ought to review that, because actually you're doing society um, uh, uh, some harm. How, we, how we, am I harming society by doing that? Because we are running out of antibiotics. The overuse mm. of antibiotics has led to uh, lots of bugs being resistant to the common antibiotics. Yes. MRSA is, a, uh, is an example of that. So actually, if you are... Hang on, you can't blame MRSA on me. No, it's, I'm not blaming... In, individuals' behaviour can be criticised. Yes. What leads to multiple bacterial resistance is that every, if everybody behaves right. like that. Right. What I'm saying is that you, are, you are, have obligations to society, and part of those obligations right. is, ma is making sure that antibiotics uh, last as long as they possibly can. So I would... I, um, oh. As someone in the public eye, I think you should be setting an example.
well, I, I don't think I should be setting an example. I think I should be following what I believe to be right. And if a doctor gives me a prescription for antibiotics and it might make me feel better, which means I can interact with my wife and my kids and do my job better, then I'm going to do it. Okay. And, 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 hang on a minute. It's a, it's a matter of cost-benefit. Right. There, if there is a tiny chance that it might make you better, yes. but a significant chance that you might be contributing to bacterial resistance and the loss, uh, and the loss of antibiotics that might help other, you it. and other people in a serious illness... The balance of benefit is in favour of not using uh, antibiotics but at I a low threshold. I genuinely don't... I think you're, be, you're, you're calling me cynical. I think you're being naive, Doctor. I, do, I don't think people think... People don't think about the greater well, cause I, for I, the country. I'm afraid I, afraid I see patients more often than you do. Well, no, but when, I, I, I speak to more people, perhaps, than you do. And I, I, I speak to people. I know what people think. So, you, you know, both our a, points are valid. You speak to a certain selected group of the population. Well, so do you. Yes. But I speak to the ones who are, <laughs> I speak to the ones who are having to make antibiotic decisions. Well, so do I. No, no, Doctor, that's not fair. Listen, I'm trying to be, be fair and valid, but you're being a little bit patronising and one-sided. I do. Uh, I speak to I... people who take, who take antibiotics. Of course I do. You, and I you... know that people... The, 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 maybe the people in your surgery well, perhaps don't. we just have to disagree. I think you're okay. completely wrong. I think you're completely wrong. Thank you very much, Doctor. There we go. I was just told off by a doctor... Unbelievable! Listen, we can both have differences of opinion, Doctor. No need to get shirty about it, for goodness sakes. Didn't mean to fall out with Dr. Roblin there. Uh, but can I just ask a very quick question before we, we, we talk about this fire? If a doctor gives you a prescription and says, use it in a week if you need it, are you like me? You'd go and cash it in and start using it anyway? Or would you sit on it like the doctor thinks? 08459 455 555. Or just, just text 81333. Start your text 3CR. I would, I've got a, do- a prescription. He says, sit on it for a week. I would go and take it, cash it and start taking it now. And I think that most people would, wouldn't they? Maybe I am being cynical, I don't know. It's day six of the fire at Apps Pond Lane uh, in St Albans. The blaze, which erupted at the wood recycling services in Potter's Crouch last weekend, has left chaos in its wake, with road closures and many nearby residents suffering loss of power and water services. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been following the story for us and is back at the site again today. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. Um, some improvement on day six this morning. Uh, the pile of wood it is getting smaller. Uh, very, very slow process, though. And, of course, this is affecting local people greatly. Early we heard from Catherine Reardon. Catherine lives around 500 yards from the fire. She has a two-year-old child. She has a limited amount of water at peak times only. And she told us the situation is becoming so bad that she's considering moving into a nearby hotel. Yeah, I think that's going to be the next option for us. We need to start looking into that because um, you know, there is no sign of it stopping. They're saying at least another week at the moment um, before it can go out. So if that means another week without water, then absolutely... So the words there of Catherine, after 8, Ian, we are going to be hearing from another resident who has moved out because she can't take any more. But what's the latest with the fire? Joining me live in our radio car is Ian Markwell from Hearts Fire and Rescue. Welcome to the programme, Ian. I've asked this question every single day this week, but what's the latest? Are we any nearer to, to putting this fire out here? Uh, we're certainly making good progress. Uh, as you stated just now, the fire is reducing in size. Uh, During daylight hours, we are working around the edges of the fire, removing the material, damping it down, and then allowing the main pile in the middle to to burn itself out. And and progress is being made, yes. So we're looking at days here again, not weeks. Uh, Hopefully days that the uh, the main fire will be burning down fairly rapidly. Um, We're hoping that the the weather conditions will be favourable for us over the weekend as well and, and assist with our operations. Sorry to push you on an answer, but by next Tuesday or Wednesday, do you hope to see this fire fully out in an ideal world? 
Uh, I don't think fully out. I think that's optimistic. Certainly that the main pile will have reduced in size, but then there'll be some damping down of what's left on site to, to make sure it doesn't spread to the unaffected piles. OK, and you mentioned weather there. The wind direction could be changing this weekend. That could affect how you fight the fire, also local traffic. And um, what's the situation with the wind direction for this weekend? OK, yeah, we're getting regular updates from the, the Met Office. They are providing valuable information to us. Uh, this weekend, we're looking at the wind picking up but the wind direction then going back towards the A414. Uh, wind direction is, is where it gets stronger, can be assisting us. That will then whip up the fire, get it burning uh, more readily, and then that creates a greater heat plume that takes all of the, the smoke and the debris up and away from any of the road networks. So we're, we're hopeful that the wind will assist us over the weekend. We have spoken to so many residents who are very, very angry about this. You know this site well. Was this an accident waiting to happen? Uh, certainly we've had concerns about this site over the years. I mean, it's, it's been here an awful long while. Hearts Fire and Rescue Service have dealt with numerous incidents here over the years. And we have raised our concerns with the licensing authorities over recent months and, and certainly during the summer period we did. Now, when you raise those concerns, do you feel that they acted on those concerns? Uh, well, the, the knowledge I have of, of the licensing authorities and the people I've been dealing with, yes, they were here, they have been on site, they have been trying to restrict the amount of stock that's, that's coming into the site, and they have been working with the owners to try and reduce the risk. I'm going to ask you a very tricky question just lastly, because you work for Hertfordshire County Council. Uh, we had a member of the council on the programme yesterday. They said back in August they issued a breach of condition notice, preventing the company who run this recycling plant from adding further wood to the wood pile here. Now, they didn't take legal action. Hertfordshire County Council, are they to blame for this fire? Uh, I don't think they're to blame for this fire. I think they've been trying their hardest to try and uh, control what is going on here at site. But I don't think they're to blame for it, no. OK, and uh, a final word on your workers there this morning. Uh, not too many of you there today, certainly compared to Monday. Is that because you've got this fire under control now? Yeah, I believe so. We're, we're down to two fire crews here on site, protecting all the surrounding risks. And, and certainly, yes, we have got it under control. We, 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 we have far greater control of it now than we did at the weekend. It's looking a lot better. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. There you go. That's Ian Markwell from Hearts Fire and Rescue. Some interesting points there. And uh, after 8 o'clock this morning, Ian, we're going to be hearing from Stacey Gorham, who lives along the A4147, around 500 yards away from this fire. She, like many people, has no water. She has a five-year-old child, and she's moved out for the week because she can't take any more. Justin, excellent work as always. Thank you very much for that. We, we did try and get Affinity Water uh, on the show. They were unavailable to comment. They gave us this statement. We are assisting the fire and rescue service fighting the fire at the recycling centre by providing access to as much water as required. During peak water demand times, approximately 15 households in Leverstock Green may have no water available to them. Uh, we understand that some customers are experiencing a drop in pressure and we anticipate these fluctuations in pressure to continue for the duration. Bottled water is being provided to our customers we would like to apologise for any inconvenience and thank them for their understanding and their patience. Well, it's not just residents and road users who are suffering because of the fire. Get this, a wood recycling company in St Albans, different to the one on fire, has been receiving nasty phone messages from people mistaking them and thinking they are the company that's, that is responsible for the blaze. Jeff Deans is from St Albans Wood Recycling on Pickford Road. Morning, Jeff. Morning. So let's Hi. just clarify this. You are not the wood recycling company that's on fire. No, we're, we're a social enterprise and we collect a small amount of waste wood and we sell uh, reclaimed timber and make furniture out of reclaimed wood. And we're about three miles away from the Abs Pond Lane site and I can guarantee we're not on fire. 
and we're operating normally. What kind of messages have you been getting? Um, got a couple of messages uh, saying, oh, uh, calling us Muppets, one of them, and it said something about, oh, you know, you, you deliberately set that fire or something, trying to make some money or... Right. You know, it's just, just, just uh, I know, an idiot, basically. Uh, somebody didn't really know what they were talking about. And you've had a couple of these, have you? Yes, we have. Well, over the years, we've often had people phoning us up thinking that we were the Abscond Lane site, asking if they could bring an articulated lorry load of wood down and this sort of thing, and we just can't cope with that sort of volume, so, uh... And yeah. what, when... when did, did you speak to this person who phoned up? No, no, we just got a couple of messages on our answer phone. Just left the messages. OK, so listen, just give the... Le- Jeff, give the name of your company and just state once and for all, on air, that you are not associated with the fire. Go on, you've got 30 seconds. OK, we are St Albans Wood Recycling, community interest company, so not-for-profit social enterprise. We're based near Morrison's in Fleetville in St Albans, and we are nothing to do with the company Abs Pond Lane. Although we are a customer of theirs, we've taken waste wood to them but we're a totally separate company, and we're a social enterprise with lots of volunteers selling reclaimed wood and making furniture out of reclaimed wood. So you muppet who's been hassling Jeff, leave him alone! <laughs> Jeff, listen, thank you very much for coming on, and hopefully that'll be an end to it. Otherwise, we'll, we'll send Justin Dealey round to them, and no-one wants that at all. Um, we have been trying to uh, contact the right company... Uh, who are responsible for this this site that's on fire? They are refusing to speak to us. We, we, we just can't track them down. We're going to keep we're going to keep at them, and hopefully at some point we will get them on this show. Can't promise anything. They're being very evasive, but we will do our best. Um, and later on, as, as Justin said, we'll be speaking to a lady who's had to move house with her little girl as living conditions are made so bad by the fire in Potter's Crouch. <laughs> This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've just tuned in, where were you? I got told off by a doctor. I know, I did. What was supposed to be a friendly... Li- some of these things we set up, and we know they're going to be a bit feisty and a bit fiery, and some we think, oh, that'll be a nice, interesting, public interest story to do. That's what we thought the thing would be with the doctor. I got told off. I got told off for being cynical, for being uh, part of uh, the, the problem in why we're all resistant to superbugs. The superbugs aren't anything to do with me. MRSA isn't my fault. For goodness sakes. I, so just out of interest, if a doctor writes you a prescription and says, listen, only take this in a week if you're still still feeling ill, would you follow those instructions or are you like me? Would you go down to Boots, cash it in and start taking them then and there? That's what I would do. I assume that most of you do the same. But maybe that's just me being cynical. Who knows? Uh, lots coming up in the last hour of the show. More about the antibiotics, more about Dave Lee Travis, and we've got a little bit of music as well as we like to do on a Friday. So do keep listening. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It, was, it has been pointed out to me that my argument with the doctor was perhaps not the strongest argument when he said, well, I think you're wrong. And all I could come back with was, yeah, well, I think you're wrong too. <laughs> not the strongest of arguments and not one that uh, political reporter Paul Scoynes would have used, was it, Paul? No. You'd, you'd have done better than I, that. Well, mm. Now, listen, uh, this is the story that's on the front page of a lot of the newspapers today. Former Radio 1 DJ Dave Lee Travis has been bailed after being arrested as part of the police probe set up in the wake of the Jimmy Savile scandal. The 67-year-old was arrested at his home in Mentmore, Buckinghamshire, on suspicion of sexual offences. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Paul Scoynes has been looking into this story. Paul, what walking 
tell us about David Travis? Well, Ian, he was arrested at a quarter to eight yesterday morning. He was released on bail late last night to return uh, in early January. Now, he's best known for his 25-year stint on Radio 1, although he did also present a Sunday morning programme here at BBC Three Counties Radio from his home uh, from March 2003 to March in 2007. Now, his career on Radio 1 came to an end in 1993 when he famously uh, resigned on air from his role, telling listeners he was unhappy with the changes that were taking place. Uh, he also presented editions of Top of the Pops in the 1970s and 80s, uh, and also on the World Service, where he famously was a, a sort of a, a former support for Aung San Suu Kyi, and he also now presents the DLT show for the Magic Network. Uh, and this arrest was part of Operation Utree? Yes, that's right. Operation Utree sorry, is an investigation into a broad range of allegations against a number of people, which was set up in the wake of the Jimmy Savile scandal. However, some of the allegations don't involve children. Now, the Met Police say that they've identified around 450 potential victims of sexual abuse. They say that the arrest of DLT is the fourth so far in connection with the Savile investigation. Now, in a statement, they say that the latest arrest falls under the strand of the investigation they've termed others, meaning the allegations are unrelated to Savile. And what's happened to the other people arrested in connection with the Savile investigation? Well, former pop star Gary Glitter, who was the first to be arrested in connection with the Met's Savile abuse inquiry, he was arrested on suspicion of sex offences and bailed until mid-December. On the 1st of November, police arrested entertainer Freddie Starr on suspicion of uh, sexual offences. He's denied claims made against him and was bailed after a number of hours of questioning. And on Sunday, the former BBC producer, Wilfred Diath, who's in his 70s, was arrested on suspicion of sexual offences and he was also later bailed until December. Paul, thank you very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. The first PCC elections look set to be mired in controversy amid reports of low turnout and deserted polling stations. Across beds, hearts and bucks, we've heard unofficial reports of turnout as low as 4.5%, with the average being around 10%. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, spoke to voters at Addyfield Community Centre in Hemel Hempstead yesterday. The polling station opened at seven, and by midday, there had been just four voters per hour. It just made me feel sick that nobody's taking trouble to vote on an important th- vote like this. And why do you think people aren't voting? Well, I don't know, because they don't know what is going on. We haven't had, um, say, notification. Is what When you've got a general election, people come around your house and knock on your door and ask you to vote for Conservative, Labour, whatever it may be. And nowadays, there's nobody taking the trouble to do it. I think it, those people that are not at work and that are capable of getting out and walking up the voting station and vote, they should have a vote if they're entitled to, because there are lots of countries in the world you don't get a, an opposition to vote. Well, here's Lee, who's voted Labour. Lee, going to cut to the chase here. Yeah. Inside, hardly anybody there. Pathetic turnout. The people that haven't voted today, should they be ashamed of themselves? Uh, not exactly. Uh, I think it's a reflection of the general apathy that the British people feel towards politicians in general and towards the fact that although we've got a vote, it doesn't seem to make very much difference who gets voted for. They all seem to be doing the same things, using the same excuses. And do you think the lack of information has, has played a big role here? Because most people I speak to didn't even know there was a vote today or what that vote was about. Yeah, uh, there was a leaflet that was posted through the doors, I believe nationwide, but that's insufficient really to galvanise people into exercising their democratic responsibilities. 
Well, Jill Donnell is a former chief superintendent but is now the director of One Team Policing, which provides support and information to companies and to the police on criminal justice and law enforcement. Morning, Jill. Morning, Ian. And Mike Smithson is from the Bedfordshire-based political betting website. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, Jill, why has this election been such a disappointment? Well, I think the main thing, as you've, you've heard in the article there, is, is such a low turnout and, and increasingly, certainly we're picking up, increasing negativity from the public about the lack of information. Uh, and I think that the lack of a centrally funded mail shot to all houses, which we normally get in parliamentary elections, has had a significant effect on people. Well, we, we've had a, a few people today and uh, throughout the weeks saying, I've not been sent anything. I was told I was going to be sent something. They've told me to go online. I'm not on a computer. Yeah, seven million people disenfranchised by... The majority of the information being online, that's absolutely true. Although, to be fair to many, many candidates, there have been lots of local meetings. Uh, It's just really how that information has has been got out to members of the public have been the issue. Mike, is this going to be the story today, the low turnout? Absolutely. This is an absolute catastrophe, really, for the government, which uh, this, uh, this was one of the flagship toy policies at the general election. They have the vote and... uh, pitifully, maybe 13, 14% nationally have uh, actually taken part. And the real problem comes is that, as has just been said, it had been proposed that uh, there should be a, a, a funded mail shot paid for by the taxpayer so every voter would have got a little bit about all the candidates. Uh, that's what happens in general elections, that's what happened in things like uh, mayoral elections like uh, we have here in Bedford. Uh, but that, sim- that, that was cut as a cost-cutting uh, measure, and what happened is that nobody's aware of who the candidates are or what's, or what's happened, and the result is you've got this pitifully low turnout, which completely discredits the whole process. Uh, you know, the, if you've been elected you know, on a 40, 50, 60 percent turnout, that gives you a lot more credibility about you know, in your position. If you've been elected on a 10% turnout, it doesn't. Jill, Mike makes a point there, doesn't he? It, it, it does kind of discredit it with such a, a low turnout. Well, well, yes, I guess you could argue that, in, but I think the, the biggest issue, certainly for us, is this is a huge opportunity um, for people taking up these posts. A really big job overseeing multi-million pound organisations. They've got to get the budget set. They've got to get um, a five-year vision, vision in terms of the policing pack ready by March 13. So there's a huge amount of work to be done. And for the first time, actually, we have got some real accountability for, for policing in our areas. Jill, what's the first thing? They get in their office Monday morning uh, and they sit down. What's the first thing they're going to be looking at, do you think? Well, they get in their office first thing next Friday morning. OK, I do apologise. There we go. <laughs> OK. Um, well, there's a number of forces where chief constables have uh, retired or, or given notice. So there's, there's some areas where they're potentially looking at hiring new chief constables. As I say, the budget has got to be set. That's all got to be ready by March. So that's a huge amount of work when you think of the size of these organisations. There's policing plans, five-year visions to be, to be organised. Uh, never mind lots of areas, some suggestion that low morale. And I think for us, one of the biggest issues is these people have got a duty to consult with the public. Those members of the public that a lot of negativity about the whole election process, they really have got to find new and innovative ways to to get uh, to hear the views of the public and so that they really are delivering what we want in terms of a local police service. It'll be interesting to see how they do it. Mike, very quickly, it, I mean, Beds, Hearts and the Thames Valley areas, it, it's generally pretty Tory, but I guess with such a low turnout, it, it could go either way. Have you got any clues yet? Any ideas? Um, no, but we... 
we, we've got very different uh, differential turnout rates, and uh, that could actually play havoc. Um, I would expect that uh, Labour should be in with a chance in, in, in Bedfordshire. I would think that the other ones in the Three Counties radio area will, will, will go Tory. Uh, but the, the, what we've seen in other elections overnight is that the Tory vote has absolutely collapsed. Mm. Uh, they've, 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 they've reduced to a few hundred votes in a parliamentary by-election in Manchester, if it was 700 and odd votes, that is just absolutely appalling. Uh, and, and, and the same seems to have happened in, in, in other elections. So anything could happen. OK, thank you very much. Mike Smithson from uh, Political Betting Website and Jill Donnell from uh, former Chief Superintendent, now the Director of One Team Policing. It, lots going on about this. Uh, on Monday, 8 o'clock, in this studio, this is exciting. The new Beds Commissioner is going to be sw- sworn in here. How exciting uh, is that? Uh, and there's lots going on, on as well throughout the Jonathan Vernon Smith show today. His team are scattered. You're fired, Ollie. His team are scattered <laughs> all over uh, the area. Tara is going to be in Bucks. Tony is going to be in Hearts. And uh, Paul Scoynes is going to be out in Beds getting uh, the latest on what's been uh, happening. Um, Who was that an impression of? Uh, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Vernon Smith looking casual in jeans and a jersey. Looking very cash today. I like it. Your, your college scarf just <laughs> thrown over your shoulders, not even done in a Soho knot. Look at you. Covered in, cr- in uh, cat hair like a crazy old cat woman. Oh, you look, look marvellous, sir. Thanks. And can I just say, you've got a real glow of somebody who's being discussed on the internet like there's no tomorrow. You're the internet sensation. Uh, well, t- well, seemingly a number of people are talking about me today. You yes. have been... There's, there's a write-up about you in The Times. Mm. Uh, Five Live have been playing you. They're yes. a proper radio station. <laughs> You're being used in... Uni- did I say that loud? You're being used in university courses, I think. I may have dreamt that bit. Yeah, I will be, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you go on about it. Imagine that. You're in a... OK, uh, people, today we're going to be listening to an example of radio. Is it good or is it bad? Discussed. And they play you. Uh, yes, where, where, now, where is Nadine Norris? Where is she? <laughs> she's not here. No, where is she? Well, she's in the jungle being buried alive. Is that, is that your impression of me? It's not, it needs a bit of work, but it's close. <laughs> it's not bad. I've been working on it. It's not bad. That's rubbish. That doesn't sound anything like me. What does, who's the gentleman who wrote about, about you in... The, Matthew Paris. What, and what did he describe Three Counties, counties Radio? He described Three Counties Radio as cruelty. <laughs> Has he worked here? <laughs> yes. It would seem he's got the inside. I'm very pleased for you. So when are you leaving? <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be on Radio 2 this weekend, won't you? <laughs> you reckon? But of course you will. Totally. Thanks, Thanks very I'm much. I'm very pleased. I thought for those who missed it, what day What day was it? Tuesday? Yes. This week has been... What a week I've had this week. It's all melded into one. <laughs> I think it was... Was it Tuesday that Jonathan was, was out? No, Wednesday. 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 It was Wednesday. Go and listen on the iPlayer, because it really is... It's, it's just a cracking show. The whole show from start to finish was, was marvellous. Thanks, Ian. I know, I enjoyed it. I thought Thanks. it was excellent. Aren't you know? I like your shirt... Is that the best you can do? Is that the best you can do? You can't congratulate me on arguing with a doctor? Oh, yeah, I liked the argument with the doctor. We were saying upstairs that you have this unique knack of... It doesn't matter if we had someone on who was coming on the radio station to talk about how they were holding a knitting circle this weekend. You'd still argue with that. No, I didn't. (laughs) I didn't start the argument. Don't we got someone coming in about children in need next? I'm worried that they're going to be an argument with them. What do you mean you're raising money for children? What is this about? The, the doctor. I think you're wrong to raise money for children. <laughs> the doctor took an instant disliking to me. We yeah. disagree, but but I'm really disappointed. The best he said, well, I think you're completely wrong. The best argument I could come up with was, I think you're wrong as well. That was all I could do. 
Apparently, uh, your producer just typed on your screen that the uh, the interview yes. that I did with Nadine Dorries, parliamentary assistant, is now on the official BBC News wires. Yeah, I, I go global. I chose not to read that out, but I decided oh. that you did. Well done. <laughs> you know, you know, no one else is going to big me up. <laughs> What's happening on your show today? You've got people all, all over the place today, haven't you? All over, like ants. Coming up on the big phone in this morning, I'm asking, should you be ashamed if you didn't vote yesterday? Uh, the first PCC elections uh, look set to be mired in controversy amid reports of low turnouts and deserted polling stations. When I went to vote yesterday, in, yes, I went in there. Yeah. It was, it was like you could hear the tumbleweed. And I said to this lady sitting behind, I said, I've just come along to keep you company. She said, I need it, dear. <laughs> oh, bless. I said, has there hardly been anyone? She said, hardly anyone. It's been disappointing. Oh, it? terrible. In Wiltshire, one of the first places to declare, nearly 82,000 people voted out of a total electorate of over half a million. Yep. A turnout of just 15.8%. In one polling station, Hemel Hempstead, there'd been just four votes an hour by midday yesterday. Wow. Well, if you didn't vote yesterday, should you be ashamed of yourself? Ooh. Should you? Ooh. We, for goodness sake, people died in order for us to have the right to vote, for women in particular to have the right to vote, and people didn't bother yesterday. Should you be ashamed of yourself? Should people have been forced to vote yesterday? Is that the way to get around this? If people aren't going to be bothered to get up off their backside and go down to the polling station and put a couple of crosses in two names... Should they have been forced to do it? Is that the only way to get people to take an interest in these elections? Or perhaps there's another reason. 08459 <laughs> I'd like to hear from you at nine. Don't let it go to your head, Jonathan. Don't <laughs> let all Matthew Paris and all that go to your head. Okay? No, no. No. You might not get me out of this door. <laughs> Welcome to Cruelty Towers. Yeah. Sorry, Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Go. You can go now. You actually, you can go. Really? Yes, please do. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be forced to, to play something I don't want to play. <laughs> I, for example, I don't want to play this. Orangutan's anus. <laughs> After the S, the S is cut off, but I don't want to be forced to play that ever again. So go. <laughs> I have that up my sleeve. What, orangutan's Yes, thank you very much. Out. Oh, vulgar. I do apologise. Little bit of buzz on the internet. And he's gone all, he's gone all big-headed. He's changed. He's changed. Now... For children in need this year, uh, the BBC in the east of England have gathered six youth choirs together and on Friday night they'll be performing uh, a concert in Cambridge. Gail Windrass is the director of the Three Counties Choir, the Luton Gospel Community Choir. She joins us now. Good morning, Gail. Good morning. Hey, whoa, you're a little bit too perky. Calm down. You've got a a long day ahead of you, Gail. Don't peek too soon. (laughs) What's going to be happening this evening? Right, well, kids from the Luton Youth Gospel Choir and jointly the Barnsford West Academy um, Choir are going to be um, going down to Cambridge to take part in an exciting um, choir performance. Are you allowed to tell us what songs you're going to be performing? Is it, is it Hush Hush? Um, I'm not sure, actually, but I think I should keep it Hush Hush so it's a surprise. Okay, so you're doing, all the choirs are doing like little separate bits. I know that you're going to get together and do Bridge Over Troubled Water. Oh, so it's not a secret. I know that bit. <laughs> listen, Gail, listen, it's a, it's a wonderful song. It's a beautiful song. It's also an easy song to mess up. Don't... No, don't mess it up. <laughs> One of my favourites. They sound brilliant. I bet they do. I say, they do. <laughs> How, how uh, often are you rehearsing for this? Um, well, the quite been about two or three rehearsals mm-hmm. for it, so, um, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the, the Luton Gospel Community Choir. Right, well, the Luton Gospel Community... Uh, this is a youth um, choir part of the Luton yep. Community Gospel Choir. It's kids from between 7 right up to 18. 
and they come together and they sing gospel, have a great time, make loads of friends, and they are brilliant. Well, Gail, listen, you, know, you do sound very enthusiastic. I, 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 it would be rude of me to let you go and not ask you to um, give me a little bit of singing. So, away you go. Uh, oh, come on, you have to! I'm trying to think of a song. Um, um, what do you you try um, to think of a song? You're in a choir! <laughs> OK. When I wake up in the morning, love, and my heart is filled with pain... That will do. Fantastic, Gail. Wonderful. <laughs> well done. Thank you very much. Have fun tonight, won't you? We will do. We will do. See you later on. Ta-ta. There we go. That's Gail Windrush. who's the director of the Three Counties Choir, the Luton Gospel Community Choir. Well, over in Hertfordshire, they're doing their own version of The X Factor, uh, and it ends tonight in Potter's Bar. Five stars will battle it out at the Brookman's Pub um, since the competition. And it's the competition started in August. All money raised from Pub Factor is going to go to children in need. Pub manager, come judge, Lauren Bailey, is with me in the studio. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. So th- this is one of the cool things. When you put on something like this, you get to be the judge. I know. Are you going to be a nasty judge or a nice judge? I don't know yet. I don't know if it be Simon Cowell or Cheryl Cole. What do you reckon? Well, the, the <laughs> thing is, I always, I, I get booked sometimes to do things. I go and do things like this sometimes, and I always go in with the idea of being the Simon Cowell. Yeah. When you've got their eyes looking straight at you, oh, it's so I know, hard. It's a bit you, difficult. Can't, you can't do it when they're in front of you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I've got three professionals by me, so I'm going to go with sort of judge on character and stage presence and connection. Uh, who's with judging with you? Who, who's who's with you? I've got a music producer, um, Steve Savari. I've got Dick Miller, who's a business music manager and i've got uh steve brookstein who was the first ex oh of winner. course yes yes with so steve I'm, brookstein yeah i think he's doing a little song for us as well this evening lovely so. also that'll mm. be worth coming on for a bit of that he's good he is he, he got treated very harshly i think by the whole x factor experience yeah back in that day it's yeah. been a while hasn't it it's, so. has been a while and he's the thing is he's a, he's a talented bloke so he is definitely how did you get this idea how did it come about um well andrew coth has uh, kind of put the uh, whole thing together and then involved all our four pubs in the um area that he looks after um and then we've got steve uh, sorry Kenny Stevens, who is a uh, high up in the music industry, and he's mm. um, helped us put it all together really well. Um, and yeah, it's just escalated to this being quite a big final tonight. Hopefully, so the finalists are all local. Yeah. Do um, they do they choose their own songs or do you? I believe so, and they've had a bit of guidance and some mentoring as well from Kenny himself. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So absolutely. this is all like proper. This isn't just some big time proper. Yeah. Drunk old bloke in the corner. Come on, Jack, get up and give us your oh, turn. No, These definitely are... not proper. Are they? Are they taking it all seriously? These I hope so. Yeah, yes. definitely. I know they've done a lot of uh, work towards doing this. Uh, they get final. to win quite a cool prize as well, don't they? They do. Two days in a recording studio, which is actually the recording studio that the X Factor finalists go to. Really? To record, yeah. See, that's absolutely. that's you're looking at at least a few hundred. Quid, probably a yeah, couple of grand or something for something like that. Yeah. How did you wangle that? Well, again, back to Kenny Stevens. He's a bit of a legend, sorting it all out. So massive thanks to him for yeah getting these great prizes. Uh, now listen, Lauren, let's be honest. Are you doing this because you're a little bit of a frustrated? performer yourself <laughs> I, I mean i can sing like an angel obviously, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> the pub landlords and pub landladies they quite often are because you, you do have to be quite loud and, and oh over yeah the top, you, don't you? absolutely there's always a sing-along along the uh, you know the playlist that's playing but i'm certainly not a singer by any means <laughs> if there's any if there's any trouble in your, your pub i'm sure there never is i'm sure it's a wonderful world oh, absolutely pub. of course don't it is paint a bad picture but if you have to sh- <laughs> if you have no not in the slide it's, it's a wonderful pub but if you had to shout yeah. You get out. Yeah. Can you, can, you, can you give us? Can you give us your get out? Oh God. Yeah. You get out. See, that would work. Done. That would work. <laughs> and how much are you hoping to raise tonight? What's... We would love to reach five grand tonight. Honestly. Yeah. Wow. We're, we're charging five pounds on the door, but that's just a donation straight to children in need. We've yep. got an auction going on. 
um, and then just going around with little boxes and just shaking it in people's faces. Well, it sounds like a good <laughs> you can't resist the box being shaken in people's faces. I know, I tell faces. you, it's the way forward. <laughs> hey, you know those people that go around selling roses in pubs? Yeah. Who, who the hell are they? <laughs> They're people in Spain. Oh, oh, oh are they? Is it, okay. It's is not it, in England. Oh, I see. Okay, right. It's, it's been a long time since so I've been in a pub. Uh, listen, Laura, just, just uh, tell us, people, people can follow you on Twitter and stuff like that, can't they? Absolutely. Facebook, Twitter, um, all of the details are on our website as well. So, yeah, jump on board or give us a call and you get any more details. What's the website? Website is www.brookmanspub.com. Do you want to say that again? Because it doesn't sound like yeah. you know you're even your own website. <gasps> my God, you've challenged me now. It's early in the morning. <laughs> my God. I tell they can follow you on Twitter. If you go on to Google. This is your what's wrong with this, the, with this country. Oh, what, what, my website. Just go on to Google and have a look. You've caught me off guard. Don't worry. Listen, if you get, <laughs> at, at Brookman's is the Twitter. If people uh, yeah, want to come and have a little yeah. look. So that'll be good. Uh, Laura Belli, I wish you the best of luck. It's Thank you very much. Thank Cheers. you very much for coming in. 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I had a row with the doctor earlier on about antibiotics i'll read a couple of uh, texts if i may please stop behaving like an overexcited puppy from dr f that sounds very mysterious i'm a doctor en route to work at a hospital where i'll be seeing yet again the consequences of indiscriminate use of antibiotics by the likes of you doctors hate me beryl says ian i have to agree with the doctor antibiotics have been used too freely and we haven't allowed our bodies to build up immunity don't usually disagree with you, but I do on this point. Oh, God, everyone hates me. Helga hates me. I disagree with Ian about the antibiotics topic. Antibiotic resistance is very serious and could mean that pneumonia or even tonsillitis becomes lethal, in particular for people with a weak immune system. The conversation showed that doctors should not prescribe antibiotics unless necessarily. Unless necessary. Oh, God, look, ev- everyone is agreeing with the doctor. Doctor, I apologise. Although you were a little bit, let's be honest. Um, Caroline says, when the doctor gives me a script and says, use it if you need to, I only use it if I need to. You're a bad boy. Oh, dear. Sorry, doctor. That's your latest news in sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Oh, I do apologise. That was, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, I'm going to take full responsibility for that. Hang on a second. This is what I meant to do. Yeah. Call 08459 says Jackie. I do as the doctor told me, says Shirley. Anna Bushy, I've sat on prescription several times. Very good practice. Stu from Tring, I would wait the week. The doctor is right. All right, all right, calm down. Although, bizarrely, my wife has agreed with me on Twitter. She never agrees with me on anything. And she's agreed on that, which is something. Ah, dear. Coming up in the next half an hour of the show, the last half an hour before uh, JVS is on, the huge fire in St Albans continues to burn after six days. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, is there. And a cellist joins me in the studio in about 15 minutes' time. I used to play the cello. Yes, yes, yes. I stopped because it's really, really hard. Really hard. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call. And don't forget, of course, you can check out our Facebook page at any time, even if we're not on the air. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, it's day six of the large fire at Apps Pond Lane in St Albans, and residents are still without water. The blaze, which erupted at the wood recycling services in Potter's Crouch last weekend, after 10,000 tonnes of recycled wood caught fire, has left chaos in its wake. Roads near the recycling depot have been closed, while many nearby residents have suffered loss of power and water services. Our uh, reporter, Justin Dealey, has been following the story first. Justin, you've been there all morning. What's what's going on? Well, yeah, I'm at uh, Apps Pond Lane right now. Some improvement, Ian, on 
on day six. Uh, the pile of wood on fire is getting smaller. Yes, it is a slow process. We all know that much. But, of course, it's all about making sure this fire doesn't spread at the recycling plant. Earlier, we spoke to Ian Markwell from Hearts Fire and Rescue, and he said that we're still looking at days before they can put this fire out. Uh, certainly, I know we'll be here for a few more days on site yet. Um, I anticipate well into next week before we've completely dealt with the main fire in the middle of this site here. But in saying that, the fire has become smaller. I was on site this morning, certainly compared to Monday, lots of improvement. Yeah, we're making good progress. Um, weather conditions have been kind to us. It is burning well. We have all the surrounding risks covered and we are nibbling away at the edges of the fire, damping that down so we're removing some of the product away from the fire. But yet we are making good progress. Again, impossible for you to answer this, but I'll put it to you. Would you say a week absolute tops? Uh, I wouldn't really want to put a timeline on that. It's, it is a huge quantity of material we're dealing with there. And if I was to say a week, then I'd, you'd probably hold me to that. But it, it, it is, we are working hard. We have crews here on site. They're working in pretty tough conditions when they're, they're grafting away in there. Uh, we will deal with it as quickly as we can. We are aware of the impact it's having on the local residents, and we are trying our hardest to put it out as soon as we can. Well, they're certainly working as hard as they can. That was Ian Markwell from Hearts Fire and Rescue, and it's clearly having an effect on local residents. One of those is Stacey Gorham. Stacey now joins us live in our radio car. Stacey rents a property only a few hundred yards away from the fire. Stacey has a five-year-old child, and she's moved out. She just can't take any more. Just describe your what, last few days, what, since Sunday. It's been a nightmare for you, hasn't it, really? Yeah, it's been an absolute nightmare. Initially, I left because of the power cut so I have storage heating so if you don't have any electricity then you don't have any heat so I lost um, food as well because the fridge and freezer went off um, so I went down to stay at my mum's and then the next morning I came back up but there was no water so I made the decision to move us out because obviously my son's welfare is mm. paramount so it's just had a massive impact on his routine and my routine really you're renting this property so how much money do you think you've lost already because you're not living in the property that you rent of course no absolutely not so all in all for rent i've probably lost 200 pounds so far for the week that i've not been in the property and And also food as well yeah probably another 100 pound on that so if this carries on you could be looking at what four to five hundred pounds that you've lost yeah absolutely at least four five hundred pounds yes it's incredible, isn't it? Now, Ian Ray, the Deputy Cabinet Member for the Environment at Hertfordshire County Council, he was on our breakfast show live yesterday morning. He said that he was very concerned for the plight of residents like yourself. Have you had any contact with Hearts County Council over the last six days? No, no phone call and even a letter, nothing. Is that acceptable? No, absolutely not. I'm livid, absolutely livid. They also said that back in August they issued a breach of condition notice preventing the company who run this recycling plant from adding further wood to that wood pile. That was ignored. They didn't take legal action. They haven't said sorry to you. How does that make you feel? You know, I knew they wouldn't say sorry because obviously making an apology is admitting that they've done something wrong and to be honest, an apology just doesn't cut, you know, the problem. It's It's just horrible, horrible. Okay, so just lastly, the powers that be at Hertfordshire County Council, I'm sure they're listening to this broadcast right now. The airwaves are yours as a local resident who's suffering. What is your message to them? Um, To be honest, 
I'm absolutely disgusted. You know, it's not just me. You know, yes, I have a child and my neighbour has a child, but there's lots of old people as well that are going to be in absolutely disgusting positions. And, you know, everyone's losing loads of money. And I'm, you know, working and I'm a student and I don't have that kind of money to lose, really. And your five-year-old child, does he understand what's going on? No, he... He is very confused. I mean, I've got him in a really solid routine, so to be honest, he sees it as a bit of an adventure staying in my family, but at the same time, that's impacting his bedtime. I'm constantly bringing him back up to get his clothes, and yeah, he's not got to sleep in his own bed. He doesn't doesn't have a clue what's going on, really. And you're one of the lucky ones, really, because your parents are looking after you. Thankfully, they're local. <laughs> if your parents weren't here, you'd be in a hotel. Oh, yeah, no, I would be in a hotel. I'm so lucky that they only live five minutes down the road, but obviously this impacts on them as well. My dad does shift work, my sister has to get up at six o'clock to work in London, my brother does shift work, so everybody is is affected. Let's just hope it improves and quickly. Really appreciate your time, thank you. No problem, thank there you. There you go, that's uh, Stacey Gorham joining us live in our radio car next to the fire here on Abspon Lane. You've heard there from Stacey having just a week of hell. Uh, we spoke to Catherine earlier on as well. She has a two-year-old child. Again, a lack of water there. It's coming on at peak times and peak times only but if you've got a two-year-old child it's impossible to look after them at peak times only as any parent will tell you the situation for Catherine and her family again is getting so bad that she is now considering moving to a hotel but still Ian yep. still we're looking at days before this fire can be put out and everything gets back to normal Justin, uh, you've been doing a cracking job this week. Thank you very much. And I'm sure everyone is appreciative of your efforts to get the latest on this as we're getting very little from the, uh, the, the official channels. Now, earlier on, we were talking about this. A shop in Milton Keynes has advertised an unpaid four-week position which might lead to paid temporary work over Christmas. So you've got to do four weeks of free and you might get a Christmas job. Duties at pulp will involve stock work, processing and organising stock in a tidy, professional manner. So... Stacking shelves. Earlier on, I spoke to Ian Hopkins, who is the founder of Pulp. What we're doing is we're offering uh, tem- temporary positions over Christmas for paid employees. We're employing as many people as we did last year, but we're also offering a four-week uh, internship, in effect, or, or uh, 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 child work experience jobs, which run alongside two completely separate things. Well, okay, look, I've got the ad in front of me. Right, yeah. Tem- temporary work experience. This is an unpaid yeah. four-week position. Which yep. may lead to a paid temporary position over the Christmas period. Absolutely. So you, you're you getting get... people to, to, to let me. So let me see if I've got this right. You're getting people to work for four weeks unpaid, and it might lead to a short-term Christmas job. Absolutely, that, that is the case. And what we've done with uh, other people in the past is people have taken that opportunity, and after Christmas and or before Christmas, we've taken those people on as a full-time position. How many? How, how many of those people did you take on? What was the percentage? We took on half. Half of the people we took on. Well, you've uh, been calling in, and Andrew is in Hatfield. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Now, you were a supermarket manager, so you've worked in retail. Yes, I have. Um, don't, don't, don't sound guilty about that. It's, it's a perfectly respectable job. What do you I'm think... I'm laughing at the other guy, not oh, me. Really? What do, what do you think about what he was well, saying? I, I, think, I think it's a great special offer. It puts a whole new meaning on buy one, get one free. So, so he pays for one month, and you do one free. It's a really good special offer from his point of view, isn't it? His argument was, that, and the argument that we, we hear a lot about this kind of stuff is, that there are um, more people looking for less jobs, people are getting free training that could benefit them later on in life. What a load of rubbish. It, what they should be doing is taking people on, on a trial period, on full pay, 
and they could have temporary contracts. That's a normal thing people do. Mm. And then you find out if you suit the job or you can't be repositioned in the firm. I mean, you may, you may apply for a job that doesn't suit you, but you don't have to be fired. You may be able to be repositioned into something that, that suits both people. This is a fantastic gimmick. Did he used to be a market trader or something, or what? <laughs> it's possible. I don't know his history. Andrew, thank you for that. Uh, on the uh, Twitter, um, uh, Balcony Shirts, which is uh, the T-shirt company, says, I wouldn't ask someone to work for free. It's terrible. Um, and we've had a, a couple of emails as well. Let me just see if I can find the uh, email on this. Uh, here we go. From David. As someone who hires staff for my department in the finance field, I would look at any young person with the relevant qualifications and work experience of any kind before those without it. Those that have bothered to take any work experience show initiative, the drive to have a career, and the self-starter characteristics I want and need as an employer. It's time for young people... Uh, it's time young people realise the value of these offers. My only question to the retailer, though, would be why not offer work experience early in the year so that students needing to work to help to support themselves should get the pay over the Christmas period. And Carol says the BBC has done unpaid work experience for years as a way to get into paid work within the media. So why is it now unacceptable for other employers where jobs are hard to find to do this? Students are having work experience in schools, taking away from them due to lack of funding within the schools. So how can they hope to find a job against candidates who do have experiences unless employers offer work experience? Yes, the BBC do offer uh, um, work experience. Um, but it, I think that what's the issue with this story in particular is that, um, and we'll come, we've got Andrew in line, we'll come to her in a second, I think, after the travel. Uh, what's interesting about this particular experience, uh, story is that you're doing the month's work experience for a temporary Christmas job. A Christmas job is going to last, what, six weeks? Eight weeks? Whereas if you do work experience at the BBC, you do it for a couple of weeks, uh, a month, and you go off somewhere else, you know, and th- there is a chance that, you, that you're not be the, the carrot at the end of it isn't you might get a short-term Christmas job. I think that's where the difference there is, Carol, but thank you for your email. Um, We've been talking about this shop, Pulp, in Milton Keynes, that's um, applying for people to uh, work experience for a month, unpaid, and then if they do well at that, they might get a short-term Christmas contract. Andrea's in Hitchin. Andrea, what do you make of this? Oh, Andrea? Hello, good morning. You're there, sorry, yes, what do you make of this? (laughs) I think the bloke's an absolute joke, to be fair, because the thing is, you know full well that you're going to get some older people that have lost their jobs that will go for the job because they're desperate. And the ones that he'll take on are the, are the youngsters that he can employ for next to nothing. Well, listen, he's, he, I have to be careful because he's not here to answer <laughs> that. So he, we don't know that. He says he's going to pick the best people. But, do you, Andrea, listen, but we, we've, we've heard from people that it's hard to get jobs. And surely a bit of work experience is useful to have on the CV, isn't it? In the nicest way possible, working in a shop, do you really need work experience for that? It's not, it's not really brain taxing. And I'm not, you know, I'm not doubting anyone that, you know, that does, does this job for, for a living, but... You know, it's not it's not difficult. He did say uh, uh, that it would take a week to train them how to do everything properly, including the till. Now, I've worked in shops, and I hated working on the till. I hated it. But I learned how to do it in an hour. I was going to say, well, I, I worked in a shop when I was just uh, just before I left school, in fact. And, uh, yeah, like you say, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not rocket science. Uh, did you, do you have, I don't know how old you are, Andrea. I'm going to guess you're 32. Oh, I wish. Oh, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 40 next year. Oh, me too. Oh, I'm dreading it. I'm absolutely dreading it. I'm looking forward to it. Really? Yeah, cool. When, when is your birthday? February. Oh, OK. Well, OK, give us a call when, you, when you're 40, see so <laughs> if you like it then. But, but I remember back in the day being sort of 19, 20, early 20s, Christmas jobs, you just walked up and down the high street, walked into as many shops as you could and said, any jobs for Christmas? And one of them said yes. 
Very much so. That's all you had to do, didn't you? Well, very much so. But the thing is, this guy, I mean, four weeks, why, why four weeks? Yeah. Why not two weeks unpaid? And then, because the, you've only got, you've only got five weeks till Christmas. So, yeah, okay, he's saying it could possibly lead to um, work until the middle of January. Well, that's only another four weeks. So, like the guy said before, four, you know, buy one, get one free. But if it doesn't lead up to the middle of January, he's going to get four weeks free pay, and then he's only going to have to pay you for what, two? Andrea, listen, thank you very much in- indeed. I've got breaking news. This is the first time in my life I've ever had breaking news. Sit down. Uh, breaking news about the turnout at the PCC elections in Bedfordshire. 18% of the people voted. That's one of the highest turnouts that we've heard we've had so far. A lot of them, sort of 10, 13 and a half percent, something like 18 percent of people turned out at the PCC elections in Bedfordshire. Now, every Friday, we kind of like to show, end the show with a little bit of music, and a, a little bit slightly different. Uh, and today it comes in the shape of a cello. Joining me in the studio is Wayne Chan from the Milton Keynes Music Service. Uh, good morning, Wayne. Morning. And the head of that service is David Rose, who's hiding behind there. Good morning, David. Good morning. Uh, now... Wayne, can I ask how old you are? You're a young man. I'm 16. 16. What age did you start playing the cello? Well, I started in year one when I played the cello, so around six, seven years old. Because I, as I've said before, I used to play the cello. I used to be a cellist, or as uh, my team call it, a celloist. And I started about six or seven, then I stopped when I got to 12, because I went to grammar school, it was like, you have to give up your lunch breaks, and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to bother. One of the biggest mistakes of my life, giving it up. Uh, What has kept you motivated to play the cello? Why Why is it so special to you? Well... The people I play with, um, they're great people to be around, they're really nice friends. Um, the music service um, just been great help, and my teacher is just to keep me motivated. That's the um, key, isn't it? Motivation. Yeah. David, tell us a little bit about the... the I, I, can, I, I know you're there. <laughs> I can see you. Tell us about the Milton Keynes Music Service. Milton Keynes Music Service, it's been running for almost 40 years now, and we teach in all schools across Milton Keynes. And we have 100 staff, and we teach each week about 7,000 young people. Excuse me, how many? 7,000. Wow, that's a noise, isn't it? I'm, I'm hoping it's not all at the same time. Not all at the same time and not all in the same place. But that's good. That, that could be a, a little bit hectic. And, and what kind of instruments is it you're teaching? Is it mainly orchestra instruments? or other No, it, it, it's a wide range. Um, we, we start children off from various ages, six, seven, like Wayne. Yeah. Um, we, so we have our own rock school. Oh, okay. So we have rock musicians, we have orchestral musicians, jazz musicians, brass bands, and virtually every instrument do you teach the recorder <laughs> there is some recorder oh, teaching i like son the recorder played well is great but i was of the, i grew up in the 70s where every kid had one of those black and white desk camp recorders and it was it was torture on parents i'm hoping they don't make a comeback <laughs> i remember those recorders very well <laughs> and they, if, you, if you didn't have your own one you'd have the school one that they, they would keep soaked in in uh, disinfectant or something to That's get right. rid of the, the things now wayne you play in a trio yeah. Don't you? What, 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 what's, the, what's the setup? What, who else is in there? Um, the violin, the, vi- the violinist is Hermione Fleck, and the pianist is Jordan Choi. And what um, kind of stuff are you playing? Well, we stopped playing now. Um, oh, hey, what's going on? The band split up. Why? Uh, um, basically, because every year there's a different chamber group um, for that teach- certain teacher. But the reason why we um, stayed together is because we got through mm. the music for youth, and um, but now they've both gone back, uh, gone to university. Oh, so. Nice. so you're looking for some new new musicians. 
I'm in a new group already. Hey, look at you, you don't mess around. Listen, Wayne, we'll find out about the new group in a second. Would you mind playing? You've got the cello there. It's a, it's a, I always think they're a wonderful-looking instrument. Would you mind playing something for us? I know it's not the ideal situation. You're on a swivel chair that's got wheels on, which is not perfect. C- could you give us a go? Yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Fantastic! We'll have some of that. What was that? Uh, that was Trucking Through the South by Araminsky. I'm, I'm enjoying that. That was wonderful. How... The, the, the problem with me when I was learning the cello was I just could not be... I couldn't be bothered to put in the time. And you do have to put in a lot of time. I started learning again about four years ago and I had this wonderful teacher, Catherine, would come round and she was very patient with me even though I obviously hadn't done the work. How... Uh, how long... How often a week do you, do you rehearse at home and practice? Well... Before, be honest, like you, you, it's not as much as everyone thinks, is it? Look, <laughs> before I used to practice every day, but um, starting my GCSE, so I have less time. Yeah. I have to work, so practice around three times a week. That's, that's, so. that's still good. That's still, still dedication. Do you not? Do you not miss going out and playing on the Xbox though, and all that kind of stuff? Or do you still find um, time for things I like that? Some still find time doing what, that. Can sometimes. I ask? Let's go off on a slight tangent. What games are you playing at the moment? Oh, I play computer games. Oh, okay, so, so you're more on the yeah. PC. Yeah. World of Warcraft? Yeah. No, oh. um, League of Legends. Oh, okay, no, League of Legends. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, 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 David, if people want to get involved with the Milton Keynes Music Service, what, what, what do they have to do? Well, they can find us on the website. Yep. Or they can give the Music Service office a ring on 0845 20 and just ask what we have available. Or they can call in and see us. It's good, isn't it? I've got, I've got boys, and, and they're, they're far too young to be playing instruments. My, my boy, who's nearly three, uh, he's seen me play the guitar and the ukulele. And he, he can strum it. He sits there, I do the chords, and he sits there and strums it. And it's kind of an, it's an important thing, I think, for children, not only to, to see where music comes from, but kind of be involved in it and, and make noise and things like that. Absolutely. Mm. It's very important. Uh, and we actually have government backing to ensure that all children have what they call first access, so they all get an opportunity to learn a musical instrument. Mm. Uh, and that's what we deliver in schools and then we support children that wish to continue superb well listen can i ask you a favor could you play that same bit of music again but could well, would you mind if we if we had the travel going over you so we're going to have sophie tyler is going to come on and do the travel um and you play the cello is that okay okay stay there for a second so i've got to fire off a, i've got to do a little technical bit of bits and pieces here so just stay there we will go to the travel i'm going to fade this music out in a second once we've had the announcement Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, if you wouldn't mind waiting, we've got a young gentleman called Wayne who's going to play the, the, the cello over you. Is that okay? No problem. Okay, Wayne, uh, uh, away you go. And Sophie, in your own time. 
anti-clockwise on the M25. It's still queuing at the moment due to recovery work taking place on an accident which has now been moved to the hard shoulder. It's just around junction 24 at Potter's Bar with congestion back to 26 at Waltham Abbey. It is going to take you nearly an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. Now, clockwise also fairly slow between 23 at the A1M and 24 at Potter's Bar as well. And London bound on the M40. It's still heavier than normal, actually, I'm afraid, between junction 2 at Beaconsfield and 1A at the M25. Now, uh, through uh, Potter's Crouch, following the fire earlier this week, Apps Pond Lane is still closed. Uh, that's just near the 84147 at the Hemel Hempstead Road. Everything else, though, not looking too bad at the moment. Few minor delays, though, on Virgin Trains heading into the area. Everything else, though, not too bad at all. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie and Wayne. Fantastic. That sounded brilliant. Thank you very, very much. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, and David, thank you very much for coming in as well. Nice to see you. Jonathan's up next. I'm back on Monday. Arts and Bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.